welcome to another episode of Couch Command, where we journey through geekness. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. Cool. I also have with me Isaac from the pod, not podcast, YouTube channel, Lobster Magnet. Hi, uh, thanks for having me aboard. Cool. And I also have my friend from Facebook, uh, Tony. How do? <laughs> cool. All right, so... Yeah, uh, today we're going to be doing a review for Batman v Superman, the universally reviled, the last Jedi moment for everyone else but me. Um, so this is going to be like a lot of fun to talk about. Um, so uh, the way we do the podcast is we do our first part here, and then we're going to save our files and do the second part, which is the movie review. So we can do like a roundtable of like 10 minutes each on like what have you been geeking on lately or what you would like recommend. So to start with, uh, to not surprise anyone, I'll go first. And what I've been geeking on lately is um, some Drish Duerden swords, if you guys know who Drish Duerden is. Isn't that the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the famous, or am I going to get confused with Drizzt, the, the, the dark drow guy from like the um, awesome. Forsaken Universe, right? That's him, Drizzt. Um, so I go, like, Drizzt. Drist, his name's actually Drist, uh, but yeah. in the books they do the correction. Uh, like, so like well, growing up, like me and my friends, were like, oh my god, you gotta check this out. This like dark elf twin sword ninja dark elf, and like his moral code was like you know just so perfect, and like it just connected with me. And all my friends like it influenced how we made our D and D characters, and at first we called him Drizzt, but then like we get the like his one of his background books, and like. A little kid gets scared by him and calls him a drizzit, a drizzit, a drizzit. And he's like, my name's Drist. And like, we're like, oh! So like the writer is trying to tell the people how to say the character name. Nice. So, um, it's like, like almost like freaking 30 years later, they actually make like uh, these toy replicas of his swords that he's gotten throughout his books. And I kind of named one of them. Yeah, so it, it, it's a uh, in a weird story that you know we'll see how true it is. But like uh, in the books, uh, he and his buddies take down a dragon, and like he goes to the, the dragon horde and he finds a sword, and it's like this sword that can repel fire and beat fire demons. It's really cool. Then he gets another sword down the road called Twinkle. So then after that, when like you know the writer is describing the choreography of the fight, he'll say like Twinkle swings in and the other sword darts in from above, and you're like. <sighs> So, like, I'd find him at conventions and be like, hey, why don't you name the other sword Icing Death, you know, after the dragon? Because you, you keep saying the other sword. It's just kind of weird. And then, like, two books later, it's called Icing Death. So, anyway. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, Very like, nice. 30 years later, my legacy arrives to me on my couch. And it's just kind of been amazing. Like, they're well sculpted. They have a good weight to them. Um, I like buying toys but i don't really play with them these i play with like <laughs> i can't not like like you know huh, you know i know how to swing a sword I'm, I'm not i'm not bad at martial arts and you know so i like do a little practicing like almost every day it's just like yeah uh it's been a long time since i've been swept away by like a toy like this and like that's what i've been geeking on and one other thing the so epic adventures of tarzan if anybody's heard of that. Yes. Besides. Yes. Besi wait, besides my Facebook post? Besides your Facebook post. It's been, it's, it's been years since I've seen it, but I know of it. I, 
I it, back in the day, I saw like the TV listings for it, and like the name alone turned me off. So I was like, I can't ever be bothered to find out what this is. And then um, my buddy Dave uh, incorrectly found that there was a crossover episode with him and John Carter, and we were like, "What?" And I'm a huge John Carter fan and stuff. So I turned it on, and it's just kind of like this perfect level of stupid. Like, um, they know how stupid they are, but they all treat it completely seriously. Everybody's on point. Everybody's having fun. There's, there's just a good nature to Tarzan doing Doctor Who adventures, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just never knew that's what I wanted. And, like, yeah, like, there's, like, a... Uh, African village, uh, like uh, like women start disappearing, and then like you know they they see a monster go down a well, and apparently this well takes uh, Tarzan to another planet in another galaxy where you know they need you know women to keep their race going. You're like, what? I yeah. So Tarzan, the epic adventures. If you're looking for something that's just like, if you like cheese and like stupid, take it seriously. Like I can't recommend it highly enough. So that's what I've been geeking on. Matt, what have you been geeking on? Oh, well, uh, so I I never finished um, Clone Wars, the oh. animated Clone Wars series, and I've tried a bunch of times, and I just for whatever reason I cannot get through it. I just I just get bored. But I feel like it's like one of those things that I need to watch mm-hmm. because I also want to watch Rebels, and so I feel like I should watch Clone Wars. Before I watch Rebels. And also, you know, Clone Wars is generally considered to be one of the best Star Wars things. I would say so easily. Yeah. How is it this time around? Um, well, I'm, uh, I am I watched one episode. Uh, <laughs> so you're still on the first season? Uh, no, I'm on the third season. But it's just taken me oh, years okay. to get there. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. and So, like, you're doing those start-stops? A little. That kind of take years sometimes? Uh, yeah. It, I can just, I, yeah. I'm just waiting for it to just kind of sink in, you know, for it to just really get me, and then I can't stop watching. Like, that's what happened when I watched uh, Hunter Hunter um, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. I just couldn't stop watching it. It was amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I keep waiting to happen, and hasn't Here, happened yet. Here's a, a way that I think um, might help. Like, uh, it's, I think it, it's, a, it's a bygone era of sci-fi that I hope comes back, and that is... Uh, you need to be ready for a short story per episode that's not necessarily, like, a chain of series of events. Like, anime has trained us to, like, watch a series of events that lead up to, like, you know, kind of a line of a, a arc. Right. Versus, like, every episode being its own self-contained uh, short story mm-hmm. or random encounter. Right. So, like, that's what Star Trek used to be, and that's what Stargate is. And, like, that's oh, what, here we you go. know, sci-fi... Yeah, people are like, no, 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 I, I, I will do that sometime. <laughs> but but the, the thing is, like, it's from that era where, like, uh, each episode, you're here for one complete short story. Let's do this. Yeah. You get a conflict that's, that's set up near the beginning of the episode. It resolves itself by, by the end of it, and you learn some kind of lesson that comes from it. Yeah. And, like, the from the restriction of the old days where, like, you had one set, therefore you had to keep remixing around one idea. That's what clone wars is doing but also has a running story but it's not like anime does it. right no you're 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 absolutely right and i have seen your your posts and whatnot about yeah back in the day that's what we had we had you know these contained episodes with a whole arc and everything and yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, i hadn't thought of it like that to be perfectly honest in regard to why that 
why it hasn't caught my attention fully. But I think you're correct. Yeah. So it just does kind of take like a little little paradigm shift. Yep. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. Shift the gears a bit. Yeah, shift those gears. So, um, all mm-hmm. right. So the other thing. So we'll, uh, you know, you brought up toys. Uh, do y'all remember Mad Balls? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, Mad Balls have had uh, several different uh, incarnations, and right now, Kid Robot uh, came out with their own series of Mad Balls. And I just decided, you know what? It would be nice to just have a Mad Ball around when I'm working at home and <laughs> just trying to focus that I can just kind of like, you know, use as like a fidget toy, basically. So I got myself a Mad Ball. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's an ugly head ball, exactly <laughs> like I expected. <laughs> um, um, those put me off eating spaghetti for uh, maybe like a, a year or two as a kid. Uh, they grossed me out too much. Like, uh, I'm glad that people love them, but, like, yeah, I I looked him up, and, like, I'm still having the visceral reaction of, like, oh, God, like, eyeballs almost falling out of the sockets, and just, for my mind, I'm like, ah. Wait, wait, spaghetti specifically? Yeah, there's one mad ball that I'll never forget that still grosses me (laughs) out, but, like, its eyeball was falling out of its socket with, like, these tendons that look like spaghetti. Slobulous. That's awesome. Is that him? Yeah, it's Slobulous, no doubt about it. Oh my god, because that's like my buddy's screen name that he's used, used since like since college. Oh damn! So that's where that came from. Well, th- there, there you go. And now you will forever anyway. <laughs> associate your friend with gross spaghetti. Are you are you are you loving the, your kind of return to having a mad ball? Though you know, I I am I am, but it's it is interesting. Like I I, I, I use it to like you know bounce around and I like I said like a fidget toy and whatnot. But I think frequently, uh, especially now, I see these things, I see these toys, whatever that I want to get, and I just want to get the damn thing, and then I get it, and usually it just sits there after I get it. I'm like, well, I got it, mm-hmm. and then that was the major satisfaction was getting it and having it delivered. Oh, you know, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think we have a similar experience where, yeah, you get that stuff, you put it down. It's kind of like, all right, I got it. Good, good job, me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then like this, these swords and your mad ball, you're like, hey, I remember this thing. Mm-hmm. You can, you can actually use a little bit like, um, like I've been getting those, uh, those new wave replicate things, um, mm-hmm. like the one six scale arcade games. And yes. those are nice because they're really well put together, and if you feel like it, you can actually use them. You can play them. Yep. And uh, I got the uh, change machine uh, They can. that's also a USB. Yes, stuff. yes. That was a good buy. I'm telling you, I use mine every day. Cool. Toys that actually do things. I like that. Mm-hmm. Into it. Have you been geeking on anything else? Ah, no. I mean, I think that's good for now. All right. Then, Tony, what have you been geeking on besides... Arcade sticks. I don't want to hear about arcade sticks. At I all. want to hear about Ever. arcade sticks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, you know what? You're going to get arcade sticks. Oh, uh, yes, damn. please, please, <laughs> dude. Like, I, you're your first person I've seen go this hard and deep on arcade sticks, and I love it. So, um, I guess I'm the resident fighting game head here today. Oh. Um, I, I love fighting games. Dude, I'm a connoisseur. Oh, yeah. I, I played. I, I've been playing since I, since I could ever hold an arcade stick as, as, as a kid. I, I, I loved them all. Um, just recently, within the past ooh, maybe four to five years, I've actually started collecting arcade sticks. Uh, it, just as, as a hobby. Um, I, I collect them. I, I, mo- I modify them. Um, parts you get. You collect parts. You get excited about arcade stick parts. I love it. Man. Oh yeah. Um, just recently, within the past week, I picked up. Um, I picked up where to 
interpreted known as, as Korean levers. Um, these are, are are levers, joysticks that are primarily used um, used in, in, in South Korea for for playing for playing like Tekken, Street Fighter. Um, it's it's a different kind of a different kind of construction from a standard Japanese lever that you would see in in a lot of like mainstream arcade sticks that you that you play Street Fighter on. Um, they use a different kind of tension system. Um, it, it's, it's a different feel, and I've always wanted to try one. So I actually took one of one of my stock Japanese levers and and I completely modified it, changed out the spring system, and threw in a, a rubber tension grommet system. And the difference is like night and day. It's cool. it's insane. I it's love weed. it. It's <laughs> a fucking weeb. Yeah. Fucking weeb. <laughs> All right, now, now hold on, you weeb. Okay, let me add him. No, no, please stay back. Stay back. Relax, man. Relax. <laughs> I have a question. Okay. <laughs> so, so wait, you're saying that these these levers specifically work better for certain fighting games? Yeah, I mean, you could use them for pretty much anything you wanted, but it's um. For the like, for if you're playing Tekken, for instance, um, a lot of the the movements and a lot of the the a lot of the attacks, the way you play, involves certain quick directions and a quick return to the neutral part of your stick. So, Damn. with a standard Japanese lever that has a lower a lower spring tension for a return, you don't get that quick snap back to the neutral position on the lever as you would with a, with a with a Korean a Korean style joystick, because a Korean style joystick, um, the shaft is in the middle of this of this thick rubber grommet, um, as opposed to using a restrictor gate to hold your movements and a Japanese lever, this grommet just holds that that shaft in place and as you move it in the different directions the tension increases just like it was a rubber band so you can actually feel when you're when you're getting close to hitting those those micro switches so you know where what you're going for you know and you get the input you want a lot easier wow so it's it's just it's it's, it's a different style of play and i I didn't believe in it before. I've, I've heard I've heard people praising them all, all over the place in, in, in the fighting game community, especially when it comes to Tekken. So I, I've always wanted to try one, being curious about it. I just did, and, it's, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I can never go back. This is this is incredible. Like even going back and playing Street Fighter on one of these things, I can crank out a fireball in maybe a tenth of the time that I would on, an, on a traditional lever. A tenth god of the damn, time, man. Yes, that's bananas. Is this cheating? Is this cheating at all? No, no. Um, now, when you start getting into what are, what are known as hitboxes, which is basically stickless controllers, those are. And I, I, I actually built one of those myself about maybe a, a, a week or two ago, and I love it. It takes the joystick away and replaces the up, down, left, right directions with more buttons. Oh. So it's like playing on a keyboard. I saw that. I I saw that for the first time maybe a month ago, like some pictures of that. And I, I so you tried it, and you actually find that it works well. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And and I like it because I actually grew up playing a lot of fighting games on the, on the PC, like the, a lot of the older old school ones. Oh, wow. I didn't have a I didn't have a controller or a fight pad back then, so all I had was a keyboard. God so damn. all I did all I had did was was just use a, you just use the WASD system for your movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this does with this stickless controller is instead of the W for up, 
it treats this big button on the on the bottom below your your down left and right as your as your up key, which is basically like the space bar. Oh, I've never heard of anyone doing that ever, and I love it. It yeah. makes a world of difference. Like if you like precision for your directions, this is the way to go. Like I I I tried I tried it about maybe a few months ago, like an actual hit. I hit box stickless controller setup, loved it, and I want. And ever since then, I wanted to wanted to build a premium version of that. And I, I did a couple of weeks ago, and it's now one of my daily drivers. I feel that I can hear Matt's mind being affected <laughs> by your talk. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking real. I'm having thinking hard thoughts over <laughs> here. No doubt about it. I mean, I've I've played. There'll be no coming back. What's that? There'll, there'll be no coming back from you from this knowledge. Uh, no, I think this is it. Well, here, I mean, I've been playing fighting games for a long, long time. I've never really been competitive. I just sort of have fun with them. Um, but now, what uh, do you play if you don't mind me asking? Oh, not at all. I mean, I've played uh, Street Fighter, Soul Calibur. I just recently got the new Samurai, sh- new quote unquote new Samurai Showdown. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Dragon Ball Fighters. I love uh, Guilty Gear. Uh, I'm very disappointed when Strive got delayed again. Um, yeah, but hopefully yeah. they'll make it good. Hopefully they're making that net code a real good, and and we won't have any problems uh, playing. Well, online. rollback net code is a wave. Is it's the way of the future. Mm-hmm. So and and when when the beta was 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 in place, that was the biggest thing that everybody was geeking out over. Just how how smooth and the online was. And I mean, it, yeah. like in 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 this time with with no real offline scene right now just with just with the whole pandemic that's crucial like that's your game true. can be made can be can be made or broken on how good your netcode is like there are a lot of games out there that i love a lot of a lot of games that i'd love to put more time into but if i can't play reliably with anybody online because there's no there's no meetups around here right now i mean it's just really me labbing for hours on end to no effect like okay i'm good but only only in my mind yeah <laughs> for sure yeah um hey matt what's your what's your uh, main driver what's your weapon of choice when it comes to fighting uh, games? i use pads man um do you have a specific one? Oh, oh man! Back in the day, I had a uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to date me, but I had a, a specific red PS One controller um, awesome. that I absolutely loved, and I found that mm. when initially when they started, then they, and it didn't have the analogs on it because that's okay. That's what you want to do. It, yeah, it, using using analog joysticks for a fighting game is a cardinal sin. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never, I never even tried to use those analogs. The problem was, is when I was using the D pad, the analogs would get in the way of my thumb, and uh-huh. I would like brush up against it, and that would distract me, and I would lose even more than usual. Um, and so hmm. that wasn't that wasn't great. But actually, Tony, I got a question for you. Then, um, what is like a good starter? Um, joystick, like fight fight stick. You know, it really depends on how much you want to learn. Like if you're just like if you're picking up an arcade stick with the intention of learning like long term, you could go with um with the big names right now. Hori does it does a lot of them. They've been one of the biggest the biggest names in in arcade sticks for years decades. Mm-hmm. Um. They have some good ones like a Real Arcade Pro Four, um, the Real Arcade Pro N. It's just it. If you're if you're looking to to devote the time into it, 
like to actually learning it, I'd go with one of those. Those are mid-range sticks. Nice. If you're just kind of looking to dabble, you could get um, maybe like the Mayflash series, the F300, F500 for just under 100 bucks, just to try it out. And then if you go from think- there and you say, hey, um, this is not for me, you didn't waste that much money. Right. Nice. I think uh, we'll make sure we have some of your picks in the show notes for this Ooh, episode. show notes. Hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything else you've been geeking on? That's it for me. Cool, man. That was awesome. I was kind of hoping you'd do that. I was. Uh, I, I'd love to talk more about this. This is this is uh, awesome. Isaac, what have you been geeking on? I have been looking. You know, the the Mass Effect um, remake is coming out soon. Uh, so that like seeing that has kind of like reignited my love for that series, just because mm-hmm. like. God, I forgot how great of a sci-fi universe it is. And it's such a shame oh, yeah. that, like, uh, Bioware shat the bed, that, like, you know, just to get that math, you know, I've been just, like, binging all the, like, variations of, like, the squad makes dialogues that you could have depending on, you know, your save files. And I've also been, like, uh, going back and playing the Andromeda multiplayer mode and a little bit of the single player, which is, oh, God, that game, like, just it does everything to make you hate it. It is, like, this abysmal yes. crafting system. It is just the most bland writing, but, you know, there's still that Mass Effect uh, flavor. It's like, oh, God, I remember how much I love the Salarians and the Krogan. The Krogan. <laughs> I forced myself. I forced myself so hard to like that game because Mass Effect is my shit. Like, yeah, yeah I'm with you, man. Uh, and so, like, at when, like, Andromeda was coming and all the bad news was coming for it, I was like, shut up, everybody. You shut up. You shut up. All right. All right. Now I'm going to play this. And, I'm like, you know. I'm kind of. I feel like I'm. I was like forcing myself to pretend that I was having a good time, but then like after it was over, I was like I don't know what happened in that game. <laughs> I, 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 I I don't think I actually played it. You <laughs> know what? I, I commend you for at least at least attempting to finish it. I must be maybe oh, maybe three to four hours in, and I just gave up. The the shame is that there's some good stuff in it, and like I, I'd say, the com- the combat is like the best in the series. Uh, it's really flexible, uh, really fun. It's just like there's just so much obtuse shit. Like when I look at like the list of like, oh, I gotta scan all these things to research the blueprints, but then sometimes I just randomly get weapons. So what's the point of scanning it? And uh-huh. I don't know where to buy anything. I don't know where, where to go. It, it's just like the interface is just so f- f- clunky, but you know it still has. That Mass Effect flavor, uh, so you know I'm excited for those because I never really got the DLCs just because like the way the Mass Effect games were structured is that like you know they sold them like oh it's like a Skyrim it's this incredible galaxy of adventure but the way it's structured is it's like a more linear Bioware adventure where you mm-hmm. play through like the 20 hour uh, you know story mode you do the main quests there's maybe a few side quests they're usually okay um, except for the crew missions those are always good but then once you're done with the galaxy there's like really you know each one ends with like some sort of pivotal event so it's like you know i already did the big thing i I don't you know i beat the final boss there's no incentive for me to get uh you know do this extra mission i i I just don't care uh so i'm not buying your fucking uh five dollar deal or ten dollar dlc for two hours of gameplay and you know what's funny um like i bought all oh sorry go ahead um depending on when you like mass effect 2 for instance that arrival dlc depending on when you actually play it certain certain things change like um at the end of the arrival dlc because they released it 
after after Mass Effect Two came out, and, and when they released it, they assumed that most people who, had, who were, were getting this had already beaten the game. So you know that how the guy that's talking to you at the end that um, it, it really it really depends on on where you play it. So for me, when I actually started playing it, I hadn't actually finished finished the story, so. I didn't get Harbinger talking to me, telling me to prepare for the arrival. I got, I got the collector he was controlling. Oh, oh that's interesting. That's an yeah. interesting little. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got all. I, I was a Mass Effect uh, freaking junkie. Uh, I got all of the DLC. I uh, loved it. I followed all the uh, production leading up to it. I do you guys remember the VHS filter? Yes. Yes. <laughs> For the first game, yeah, you can press a button to give the entire game like this filter that makes it look like you're watching a sci-fi show on a VHS. Yeah, game. it it comes in like ultra grainy, and the lens flare yep. is dialed up to like one thousand. <sighs> yeah, I turned I, I had it on for a while, then it turned off. But yeah, each DLC for me was like um, you 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 watch like an awesome season of a TV show, and then like you know in the months between, suddenly you get like a little TV movie. And you're like, oh shit! I get to go back. So <laughs> that's what it was for me. Mass Effect. I, I, I can see you. Ha- I can see how you're enjoying that. But for me, so I never touched it just because, like, the structure of it. It wasn't like a you know a Skyrim expansion where it's like, oh, here's a new realm that you get right. to go to or whatever. <laughs> it, it just sort of like here's an additional side story that's kind of like uh, not really necessary. But now I get to go back with all of them put together, and I get to play, you know, relive all the fun stuff, and I get to have the new shit in there that I never got to. Try so uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm a lot more excited than I should be. It all and, felt like it cool. should have been content that was added in there from the beginning, the way it was released. And if you play it all together as one complete package, I bet you're going to get a totally different experience. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. But for me, back then, like you know, after I'm done with the story, I'm like, man, I missed the freaking ship, my friends, and all saying, "Hey, Keith, want to come back?" I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> let's do this!" <laughs> yeah, that's. That's my experience with, and like, you know, so over time, they keep on giving you like some more fun to have to get excited for like, you know, the big show coming and then Andromeda happened. And uh, that was like, I, I was talking to my friend who's playing it too. He's like, did you see this part? I'm like, what part? What? That happened? He's like, yeah, Keith, you have to talk to people too in the show- game. I'm like, I, I can't be bothered. Just yeah. Andromeda. <laughs> It's just such a shame. Like, I feel like Mass Effect is, like, one of the most untapped, like, it's begging to have, like, a Star Trek Discovery show that doesn't suck or, or that, <laughs> yeah. that level yeah. of production values. It, 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 can, it can be whatever it wants to be. They made it that open for that purpose. And with Andromeda, they just they just didn't utilize it at all. It was It felt like such a waste. For seeing Star Trek, for some reason, mimic and do Mass Effect and discussion on that, see our other podcast, uh, There Are Four Hosts, where we talk about that, because what the hell, Star Trek? Yeah, How would you do that? I, I haven't seen. I, I've just followed. Like, I love watching Red Letter Media bitch about um, the Discovery. Yeah. Uh-huh. And someday, one of these days, when I have like a time to kill, maybe I'll go back and. But I've not. It feels like it's the kind of like the worst example, which is weird because like Star Trek was always sort of like a liberal show. It was always like yep. kind of progressive. Totally. So yep. I, I don't know how you managed to. Th- 
screw that up or at least take the worst <laughs> aspects of sort of like progressive culture and make it insufferable Star Trek show. And because they spend like, so much time telling you that when they don't need to. It, That's the it thing. Is, uh, <laughs> reactionary, it's reactionary art in a different world that was very feeling very threatened is why we got that. And I, I, I think it's very much worth and like – it's going to sound like I'm making fun of it when I say this, but I'm not. It's worth a hate watch. Yeah. Like, um, watch, no, no, like, uh, you, not, not like you watch it and you just simmer with hatred. You watch it and then you better understand why you like what you like. It's kind of fun to watch it like that. And then, like, sometimes you see glimpses of them like, oh, wait, that was kind of cool. And then you see, like, piles of, oh, what, what's going on over here? <laughs> it, it, was, it was fun. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by. I think season one of Discovery was pretty good. I'll actually say that. Then after that, it just went. And then uh, yeah, I heard that Picard is. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I love it. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, yeah. Do get a card. Guy, <laughs> please watch watch Picard. Like Picard is also worth a hate watch. Like once again, hate watch for me and others does not mean like you sit there and you just get mad and you hurt yourself. <laughs> Instead. You watch it to see kind of like all of what's not there. And it reminds you of the beauty of like what you do love. And I, we had so much fun talking about that show. Like, I, I can you get better discussion out of bad art. Yeah, you, you kind of do. Cause like one of my favorite edits was the, um, uh, the Plinket, uh, review of, uh, Picard. <laughs> and then they do this beautiful opening about like they have got like all the, uh, Star Trek and it's like this hopeful vision. Let's go on. They got all the captains, all these great moments. Then it <laughs> slam cuts to the like <laughs> misery of Picard of, with all the faux edginess. And each of stay in the data double quadrant. Don't come over here. Each of no. Yeah. The, oh my god. That, that was like yeah. A, that yeah. I recommend it actually. Like I recommend watching those bad Star Treks because there's a lot to get out of them. Like while we were doing like our Star Trek podcast, we'd notice each time like we did like a really good movie, there wasn't a lot to talk about. <laughs> it's kind of a little. It, it's kind of like yeah, man, that was a yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's our episode. In one half hour. <laughs> but like, it was like it's a total clusterfuck. We're just having like talking about our past, our our lives, and like everything that we love in fiction. So and, there's value in it. And the other thing I've been geeking out on before we move on to the main entree of this is um, I've been uh, following very closely the Roblox IPO because one thing I like to do is I like to try and use my. Um, f- you know, knowledge of nerd culture and uh, stuff that's going on to make myself money. So I, I own a lot of video game stocks, and Roblox is one I'm very uh, bullish on that I think is going to make a lot of money later on in the future. Uh, so I was yeah. looking for the point where, like, usually when an IPO happens, it um, goes down. So, you know, I uh, chucked in some money, and, and you want to know what really pisses me off? Have any of you hmm. ever um, burned a, a winning lottery ticket? Uh, no. 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 My my buddy Max did though once when he uh, sold his Apple stock. <laughs> I was- well, <laughs> I did that because I had a theory called the GameStop gamble, where I bought a thousand shares of GameStop for like around six dollars uh, back in September because I theorized if you look at it historically, it was going to jump up for the new console launch. But apparently, I didn't read enough memes and didn't waste enough time on um, Wall Street bets and uh, you know read to subscribe to the um, theories of uh, deep fucking value because what i did is i sold it after like uh ps5 launched so i got like 
$5,000 of profit. <laughs> when If I'd held on to it in January, I could have easily had $100,000, $200,000, or $400,000 of profit. Holy oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That that actually happened? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I guess you haven't been following the news. Uh, yeah, GameStop has been a part of a historic short squeeze. Where at its height, it uh, went up to $480. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I I've been watching it, but uh, I'm st- I'm just starting to figure out like, hey, maybe I should do stock stuff. I'm barely understanding it, and wow. Well, didn't yeah. a lot of that come that from? Because um, I, I remember seeing this on the news. This was, this was big. Like a lot of these um, the a lot of these Reddit heads were buying up all um, this stock for GameStop just to basically fuck the corporations. Yeah, yeah, it became the sort of like Le Miserable. Uh, can you hear the angry voices of the pe- of the people buying uh, angry voices of people buying the st- the stonks of angry memes? <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically, the idea was that like Melvin Capital and a bunch of the hedge funds had like shorted GameStop to the point where they bought they shorted more shares than actually existed. Uh, the Lord and Savior Roaring Kitty slash Deep Fucking Value noticed this. He was more optimistic. Um, he sort of started the trend and got more retail investors or rent to keep on buying the stock and the idea is that like um you know if it doesn't go down to a certain point then eventually the shorts have to rebuy their stock and give it back to the people who borrowed it and that would hypothetically create this artificial squeeze which you know could have driven it to a thousand dollars a share or basically made gamestop worth infinite money uh but they've played every goddamn trick like i don't know have any of you guys ever read or watch the anime or manga kaiji no uh, Kaiji, uh, I'd recommend it if you get a chance. Basically, it's called Kaiji, the Apocalyptic Gambler. Um, oh, so okay. basically, it's uh, yeah, it's like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh for adults. It's about this like uh, down on his luck twenty-something guy, kind of a ne'er do well, good for nothing, but he's got the skill of apocalyptic gambling. <laughs> so he, he 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 gets it awesome. He, he gets into debt. Uh, to, to this corporation, and then he has to go onto the ship where he plays like this rock paper scissors betting game, where he has cards where they play restricted rock paper scissors, and he's just got to scrounge and fight his way up to try and get out of debt and get away from this evil corporation where they sell people into like adult slavery. Uh, so they have this one, you know, every little arc has its fun little gimmick, um, like where he's under, he's forced underground, and he has to like beat the foreman uh, to get an above ground pass so he can. And get enough money to like, and then he fights this pachinko machine, and there's this season wide arc where he's battling a pachinko, and he does this Ocean's Eleven style heist thing. So the entire kaiji is like this over dramatic thing where it swings back and forth, and he's crying manly tears, like, "Oh God, please help me!" Uh, but no, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna win. I'm gonna beat you now. So it, it, like this, this GameStop thing feels like a kaiji in real life, where it's like these little investors were betting against the big guys, we're making them bleed, but then. Oh no! Uh, they're 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 pulling out all the stops. Uh, they're going to have uh, Robin Hood. You can't buy GameStop. There's restrictions on the stock. They're doing all this sort of market manipulation and bullshit. So it, it feels like an anime in real life, like a real life episode Holy of Kaiji. That's so, great. Well, That's great. Hey, you know what? Next next time, I hope uh, the lottery ticket survives for all of us. Yeah. F- f- right? f- fingers crossed. Yep. <laughs> All right, so what's going to happen now is, guys, we're going to stop our recordings. Um, it's okay for leaving us into the, the podcast. I like it when it sounds organic. So, yeah, like, um, oh, one last thing. Uh, sorry to have to the geek section, but just round the table, did we all watch WandaVision? Oh, yes, yeah. I yes. 
Let's not turn this into a complete podcast, but Matt, what'd you oh, think? Oh, I, you know, um, okay. So, I mean, as you know, Keith, I, I feel like I have a certain connection to... Oh, yeah. yeah uh, for, for Wanda and Pietro and all that. Because um, I, uh, for you two, like, I cosplayed as Quicksilver a bunch of times. And, a, like, Comic-Con, and then also made a, like, a web series... Um, called Wanda and Pietro at Home with a friend of mine, where we are just Wanda yep. and Pietro living together and dealing with domestic issues. Um, okay, I put that also in, in the yeah. show notes. But so, awesome. uh, first couple of episodes um, I enjoyed. Wasn't really sure what was going on, of course, but then after that, it really hooked me. Um, yeah, you know, it. Uh, I really liked it overall. I'm not going to get like super deep into it or anything. It's kind of like what you were saying before, for me anyway, with this one. I just sort of, yeah, like, hey, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Tony, what'd you think? I'm on the same wavelength. I... I went into it not really knowing what to expect. The first couple episodes were a little off kilter, but I was like, okay, I'm going to hang with this and let me see what they do with it. Um, as I got further in the show, I, I, I started to get on board. I, the, the one thing I really wish they didn't do, um, I just wish they didn't, I wish they didn't marvelize it so much at the end to make it seem mm-hmm. just basically like another, like a, like the end of another Marvel movie, another MCU movie. It felt like they were taking it in a bit of a different direction as the show went on to just end it like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It felt like okay, this is it's basically just another another movie, um, which which is great if that's what you're into. I just I was I was hoping maybe that they would take it in a bit of a different direction. What direction that is, I'm not sure. I just I don't know. I, I felt I felt it was a little a little underwhelming. All right. And then Isaac, what'd you feel? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I kind of understand your feeling, though. Um, I think the sort of like issue with WandaVision is it's like the most off kilter Marvel project in terms of like it's doing something very different. You know, baby's first David Lynchian with the uh, sitcom, but it doesn't do like what a lot of people like. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Natural Born Killers. It has that scene where they have like a 1990s, 80s sitcom reality, but it's like really yes. disturbing with Rodney Dangerfield like molesting Mallory. And right. the, yeah. typically most people when they do employ or like Pleasantville is another example where the whole idea is like, oh, it's so fake and these people are suppressing their emotions. But then color comes as they explore sexuality and whatnot. And t- Wanda wasn't vision wasn't concerned about like subverting TV tropes. It was concerned with, um, you know, playing with them. And, you know, when it was uh, exploration of grief, uh, it was at its most interesting. So I like I, I don't think he needed Agatha Harkness and white vision you didn't need a superhero fight and and like as refreshing and grounding as it might have been to have like you know the real people or the marvel it felt like a agents of shield kind of uh thing uh when they ever they Mm -hmm. went to the real world and it felt like those were like the weakest points of the show like my favorite moment of the show was when um, whatchamacallit, uh, Vision is, in like episode five before 
you know, not Pietro comes back in, oh. and Wanda and Vision are like confronting each other, and it's like, I don't know who mm-hmm. I am, and, and you know, mm-hmm. you get the idea that like Wanda's like just not processing everything and wants to keep it in, and uh, you know, but because it's a Marvel thing, she can't a hundred percent be the bad guy, so you have to invent a sort of weak surprise villain and, and to have her have like a big uh, superhero fight at the end, and I and you know, I, I don't think it's uh, bad, uh, you know, just makes it like something that could have been extraordinary to just you know kind of like middle of the road you know six or seven out of ten uh but i i still severely enjoyed it uh it's just sort of like um you know people complain i mean overall marvel's knocking it out of the park they're winning but a lot of people complain about the blandness and the safeness of marvel and that's i guess the kevin feige producer style where you know i i would appreciate it if like they go for the jugular you know make wanda the villain have her be the bad guy uh Uh, don't just give us an easy excuse for a witch villain because ultimately you know surprise villain fucking suck someday i uh-huh. might make a video about this but i hate like last act villains like they're never good because they you know they're audience surprised <laughs> and I, you know i can think of a, a few off the top of my head uh what you call the the supposed real mandarin from iron man 3 the yeah. douchey tech guy mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> what you call it the guy from frozen who's the last act villain um what you call it uh talia al ghul or yes. uh, was that in uh, batman uh Rise? in the dark Knight. Yeah, in the Dark Knight, uh, and the idea is like I would rather have a villain I really enjoy who's there from the beginning versus some guy who comes in in the last ten minutes of the last act because you just don't have the legwork to really make that character shine. I agree. You know, there are characters that are introduced and they're and it feels like they're wasted because what happens? They're almost always killed at the end. Like <laughs> let's, they, let's slow they, down like, here. Okay, they come let's out of nowhere the and then they're just they're just gone. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, guys, hold on. Like, we can do a Wandavision podcast. Uh, I want to try to keep these geek sections to thirty minutes. Uh, so we're going a little long. Uh, can we wrap up, or do you guys have some bomb ass things you do need to say? Because I can also wait for that. Uh, no, nah, I think that that covers my thoughts. I think it's good, and I'm you know I'm looking forward to the Winter Soldier and uh, what what you call it, the Falcon Winter Soldier. And uh, yeah, the, the, this TV thing is working great for Marvel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I am with, uh, and my take is I'm with all you guys. Like, I was really very much into how this was. Like, I'm like, oh shit! Like, let's do a different kind of format of a TV show where it's not like you know, you don't where you can go and not knowing where this where, where it's going to end up. And we're playing with genres, but you're right, they're playing safe with genres. And the the big problem at the very end was I feel like I didn't actually see consequence happen, mm-hmm. like. I feel like I saw something very self-contained, which I feel like might be what, maybe that's what they're going for. Like, you know, back in the day, like, you get your mainline comic books, and then you have these, like, self-contained, like, four-issue stories, and that's just what this is. And you buy that DVD set, and you got your four-issue, like, season of, like, this. And that's all it is. And, but I did not, like, so what I wanted was, I thought I wanted a movie event in the TV show, so that... When they do, you know, like some big stuff, they mean it. So I, I thought that we, that's what we were doing. Like, you invite Pietro into the show, which actually did make me scream. I dropped my phone. I like started babbling incoherently, and then like you're not. Doing I gotta it, say, I gotta oh, jump in okay. real quick. Um, yeah. I was disappointed by Ralph Boner. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was a big audience. We paid $500 billion for Fox Poor just so we could make a boner you. joke. Right? <laughs> exactly. Hey, here's your Quicksilver. It's a boner. <laughs> yep. And then, like, and then the media response, like, I don't know, that the, like, the headlines I saw where, like, the studios and, like, online publications kind of turn it around on, like, fans for caring. They're like, ah, ha, ha, you weren't promised this, therefore you're a bad fan. You're like, what's going on here, yeah, guys? I mean, like, I, you guys made right, the joke. The thing is, is, like, I'm totally fine if a hero dies. I'm fine with them staying dead, you know? Like, that's totally mm-hmm. cool. So it, it's like, but my issue is with this one, the bait and switch, you know? Yeah. Where they're sort of like, hey, 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 look, mm-hmm. here he is. Oh, nope, nope, sorry. Now, boner joke, and it's your fault for caring. Ah, ha, ha, ha. All right. All right, that's enough of our geeking, because we've got Batman and Superman to take on after the break. So what we're going to do is, uh, after I say so, we're going to hit the stop button and save our files. And we'll see all you guys on the other side for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Men with power obey neither policy nor principle. No one is different. No one is neutral. If Superman were here, what would you want to say to him? That my family too had dreams. To look him in his eye and ask him how he decides which lives count and which ones do not. There's a new kind of mean in him. He is angry and he's hunting. I didn't kill those men if that's what they think. This is what makes you such a good reporter. Stuff like this still shocks you. I'm older now than my father ever was. This may be the only thing I do that matters. So falls the house of Wayne. In a world only makes sense if you force it to. You are never a god. You are never even a man. That dream is all some people have. It's all that gives them hope. Now God is good as dead. Man made a world where standing together is impossible. We will. We have to. All right. Welcome to the other side. For Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition, the last Jedi moment for everyone else, but I think me, and we're going to discuss why that happened. Like, I just want to say, like, when I saw this, I walked out very happy. Um, when I went and first heard of it, I think I was at Comic-Con, and, like, the impossible announcement dropped down saying, like, yeah, motherfuckers, we're doing this. The next movie is Batman versus Superman. And, like, I remember all my life... Like that's probably a movie that's going to happen. We've had I had geek discussions about like how the two properties are too big. You can't overlap them. Um, there's like this like Easter egg in that Will Smith movie of Batman vs Superman, the logo, and you're like, ha 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 ha, that'll never happen. And here it is, and it happened. And I was so glad because I give DC a lot of passes for some reason. I think I grew up on Super Friends, and therefore you know anything besides that is like Shakespeare. So yeah, um, that's my first impressions. First impressions and like uh, like your history leading up to this, Matt. 
what was your like feelings leading up to and and getting to finally seeing Batman versus Superman on the big screen? Right. Well, I didn't see it on the big screen unless you count my uh, my TV. Uh, All right. Just because I I hadn't seen it until last weekend in preparation for this podcast, uh, and one of the big reasons I hadn't ever seen it was because everything I heard said that it was awful. And mm-hmm. I believe I've seen every other DC movie except for uh, Suicide Squad. So that said, I watched it last weekend. My initial reaction, I liked it way more than I thought I would. <laughs> All I, right. I was enjoying myself a lot of the time. Uh, there were moments where I questioned uh, choices that were made. Uh, and there were definitely a lot of look-at-the-clock moments. Uh, but I did manage to finish it in one sitting. <laughs> which is kind of a big deal for me for any three-hour-long movie. And my overall impression last week was I had fun. I had fun watching it despite its flaws, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And Mm -hmm. uh, a week later, I still like it, despite its flaws. There you go. Tony, what's your uh, lead-up to this, and how'd you feel? You know what? Um, so I I went to go watch it in the theater because I, I was that excited about it because I personally feel like and this is going to come up again. Man of Steel is my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite super, live action Superman film in all of everything. Love it more oh, than yeah. Reeves. Love it more than Brandon. I, I I love I love Henry Cavill as Superman. So I was very hyped right? for, the, for this movie. Um, Coming out of the movie, the first the first viewing, I was I came away from it very very impressed. Um, I had a chance to think about it over the next the next few months to the next maybe couple years. Um, I'm a bit ashamed that I took a similar stance uh, to a lot of people in regards to some of the events that happened in the movie, and I just basically shamed the hell out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I held that stance for a long time until until recently, and I I, I went I came back to it, and I I thought um, maybe I've been a little too hard on this because again, I I, I love this Superman. I, Henry Cavill does a great job. I, I love the direction Snyder took with it. I, my general stance on superheroes, and this plays a lot into it. I like my heroes to be able to bleed i don't want Mm -hmm. them being too perfect i want them to have flaws i want them to have faults because the best part of it is seeing how they deal with it with those faults and those flaws so when i initially saw it i felt a little slighted because i felt they took a few a couple shortcuts to get to get the things yes not necessarily i didn't think the movie was terrible i just thought there were things i didn't like about it Mm -hmm. that i wish it could have been done better we're going to get into the details after Isaac. What was your feelings going up to it and uh, when you experienced it? Um, <laughs> I loved it, but not for any of the reasons you probably guys would. Um, I thought it was a horrible, misguided effort. Uh, Batman, You don't make Batman fight Superman when you're trying to start a universe. That's what you do as a desperation play after 20 sequels, and you want to make sure people are still engaged in your universe. Like, the uh-huh. only reason why Batman and uni- versus Superman um, works in the uh, comics or the Frank Miller, the classic uh, Dark Knight Returns, is because the characters have that, you know, 40-plus years of storytelling history through uh, the various mediums. That's why that conflict has weight. So 
having a Superman with only one film under his belt and a Batman who's this weird amalgamation. I guess the idea is that, like, you know, we, we, we're, you know, everyone already knows what Batman, so we're just going to jump ahead and do the, the seasoned Batman who's been at this for a little too long and is kind of like not quite right in the head. And we're, we're just going to, you know, the audience is going to go for it and, uh, we're going to have and everything about it was wrongheaded. And I, I went to my, I remember I, it was, um, we were going to my grand, uh, grandpa's birthday, uh, um, me and my brother, we had some time to kill before going to, over. So we went to a film theater and we had the best time watching it. We, I was doing my hyena laughing cackle. Uh, I was enjoying some of the moments so much. It was so wrongheaded. I love seeing like the kids being terrified and the parents like not understanding what they were getting into, just thinking it was another superhero movie and kids walking out of the movie. And awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the entire thing is a disaster. Um, Zack Snyder is an extremely talented filmmaker, but I think he works best when adapting material and should never be uh, given any sort of creative reign as a producer or screenwriter and i, I think batman is uh that <laughs> case uh but um uh, you know we'll get we'll get into more s- details cool all right so now run through like we'll just kind of freestyle and i got a whole bunch of notes and i'm gonna say that i get what you're saying and i fully agree like um how they went about this but i love it i love the movie <laughs> um so so like the difference is like so I, I watched all the production. I saw like all the start stops of all of like Justice League movies since the '90s or since like the late '80s. Since Wizard Magazine, like I'm seeing all the start stops, stop stop, and like then like you know Marvel just kind of free wills it, and all of a sudden like they freaking nail it. And I can see that yeah, they Warner Brothers is wait is going way too fast. But then there's Zack Snyder who's like wait 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 here guys like I'm not Kevin Feige. You guys asked for this. Like Warner Brothers said, "Hey, I want a Zack Snyder um, universe," and that's what we got. Like, we're not sitting down to watch normal, like actual mainline DC to play out. This is DC Twilight Zone, where things are different, and that we can't completely know how things are going to turn out. Because he's like, "I want to make something that's new. I want to make something that you haven't seen before. You can't know the outcome for. Therefore, you will get like a." Lois Lane, uh, Bruce Wayne child in the future, potentially. And just like, yeah, so I was on board since I've seen Batman vs. Superman and like I've seen so many of them. So I'm, I was actually on board to like find a a visual remix. And then Zack Snyder's like saying that like I, um, uh, sorry for my long rant here, but uh, I got really deep, I went really deep into this. So like uh, even this morning, I sat down with like this like, watch party Zack Snyder did where he's just like this sweet man and like he he, he sits down and he starts the, the video with the camera on him and he watches the movie with you and you start with him and like you get to see like all of like his decisions were not spam like he was like once it's in his hands everything you saw was him like actually trying to make a good story with like a real lesson so like when you when he goes over like the action sequences that a lot of audience was like ah it's just trash visual fight spam he's like no 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 like we choreographed this out there's a reason for it. there's a philosophy behind it so i think the big problem was that people want real superman batman 
like we're getting real what feels like real Iron Man Captain America but instead we're getting like a mini series by an eccentric artist there you go yeah that does sort of, that's an interesting thing cuz like what Marvel does very well and I, I think I saw this comment on Twitter and I think it's like individually the Marvel movies are not like excellent cinema but mm-hmm. what they get more so than anyone else is that they get the characters right. They get the mm-hmm. characters right. They get the character dynamics right. And, uh, you know, uh, not, there, no Marvel movie is comic accurate. They're all like pastiches. Every single one is a pastiche <laughs> of like several different comic runs, pick and choosing uh, to sort of create some sort of new continuity. But the core element of the character feels right. Captain America feels right. Iron Man feels uh, accurate. And they feel like you get the core essence of the character. And once you but, have that, you can kind of, like, run with it. But we also never had, like, a cinematic, real definitive version of any of these people. Like, this is, like, the first time we were, like, really... And, like, we had people who cared about them and who knew the characters. So, like, now they are the definitive versus these... Now we're in a world where there already has been a freaking frack ton of, like, definitive versions already. And... Like, if you just do it again, like, it would be so hard. Like, I, it's hard for me to think of, like, uh, the right filmmaker who could pull off what Kevin Feige did, but still make it look like its own unique universe. Right. But, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about cinematic universes like this, what could possibly be the definitive version? Because 10, 20 years down the line, they're going to want to make more money. They're going to want to make another movie, and they're going to do it again. And exactly like you said, Keith, they're going to want to do it in a way to bring the old fans back and new fans in. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not terribly surprising that we get something that's as stylized as this. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I was thinking about like Batman, just for example, and like how many Batman we had in just the 90s. You know, and it, sometimes it just seemed like, okay, well, now it's your turn to be Batman, Val Kilmer, and they just kind of pass the torch. And so, uh, yeah, I think that it's a constant struggle of trying to make it new while also try, trying, quote unquote, trying to keep it um, faithful to the material and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and people wanted faithful. Like, the, the, someone sat down, they're like, I want to see and enjoy Superman. I don't know who Zack Snyder is. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, for me, I'm like, I, I I really wanted that too. I did not. I love Man of Steel, uh, but I didn't want that. I wanted to get. I like Brandon Routh, uh, Reeves Superman. I want that back. I, but then like once, uh, the Dark Knight hit and like realism was a thing. <sighs> Zack Snyder was like, and Zack Snyder did a uh, like I I, he, I hate realism so much. Yep. But the way Zack Snyder did in this, and when like when I listened to him, he he nailed it. Um, the big difference that we he we're seeing here is like, uh. It's being done in a real world, but not a boring one. So, yeah. like, nice, um, nice. Yeah. yeah, what we're what we're seeing here is like Superman in a twenty four hour network world versus like in the old days where you had Superman and you had like these these pieces that would come out by the best writers and it would filter to the public in like this one newspaper or one channel and you all get that one feeling of fuck yeah Superman. But now we have 24 hours new network and news network and social media. So what do you, what does that look like now? Like Where, Superman yeah. flies over to save someone and now you have like, that everyone gets to weigh in. Well, why does he save this person and not that person? Uh, is he really a good person? And then like also he wanted to make like the Superman mentality is, um, ideal, idealistic boy. So 
he does want to like give that weakness Superman. Like this Superman is a idealistic boy who, you know, with his powers hasn't had to bend to the wills of the details of the world or even have to learn it. So this is also the discomfort that people feel like this is the, what Superman would look like in a world of like everyone constantly judging everything. Everybody has their own take on it on, on Superman versus just Perry White saying, okay, you're going to think what I tell you to think. And this yep. is the only opinion that matters. You take that and then you also – it's emphasized that Superman has a choice from the get-go for what kind of mm-hmm. person he wants to be versus, versus it just being established, okay, this is what you're going to be. You don't have a say in the matter. This is exactly who you're going to be. This is exactly what you're going to do because this is what the people want you to be. And that's and, it. And, and that's what disturbed people about like his – there's like – it disturbed me too. Like um, Pocket uh, saying like you don't worry about anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say – maybe you should save yourself. And like I hated that so much. I want to – punch him see i actually like, loved it i loved it like every, like come everybody around. comes back and says like that one scene where like where, yep. where they're still where they where where pa kent is like i don't know if you if you should if you should have saved these save these kids from drowning it was just should, it, clark is like because they let bigger him, just let him drown and pa, and, and jonathan's like i don't know maybe and they're like yeah, why bigger, would you say longer, that and yep. like, why would you say that he's supposed to know the point is he's not supposed to have all the answers because he's just as confused awesome. as clark is that's the yep. point i love that well, yep. well yeah can, uh, um i yeah I, I i hate it because like pocket is supposed to say really, really quickly i was gonna say like pocket's supposed to say the thing that teaches superman to be superman but instead we did actually get to have a different route this time like we got to have a man who didn't have all the answers. And then exactly. through these conversations, you figure out why you do what you do. Exactly. Well, and I appreciated that. Like, it's, it's not just a straight line to get from, to get from here to here. You're going to have mm-hmm. hurdles along the way. And I, I really appreciated that because I felt, it felt more genuine to me. And I, I, and, and coming up on, on my own as my own person at that point in my life, I could relate more to that than to just the, the, the just the the traditional the traditional version of of, of Superman is like he always knew what he was going to do and it, it's just and that's just the image. There's no there's no faltering. There's no missteps. You're just gonna do it and that's it. it that never felt real to me. Isaac, I cut you off earlier. You oh, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I have a lot I want to say. Well, I, I think the fundamental <laughs> misstep is that um, a lot of the Batman versus Superman is like a deconstruction of like the Batman and the Superman myths, where Superman is more alienated. And people are understand or like debating the ethics of Superman. Uh, does Superman have a moral responsibility to intercede on uh, different uh, borders and international rights? And they have a vice panel and a news panel talking about. Superman and Batman is uh, you know much more brutal and totalitarian than he's been in, and he's got guns and he blows people yeah. up and the problem is is that you can't like I guess DC has more Elseworlds and you can accept more Elseworlds and some of the best stories in DC comics are from Elseworlds stories like uh, Superman Red Sun but you gotta have like a baseline continuity uh, if you're building your 200 million dollars tentpole franchise before you start doing the crazy else world stuff like yeah. you, you don't <laughs> i i agree that if you're going to make a mainline like successful one yes mm. but for his from zach's point of view he's like i have 
Uh, I need to make major moves. I, I, the, I've been given a chance to tell this story in maybe three movies. So I don't get to have like a, uh, this is in like, this is a different layout. Like they're asking me to make the story. I'm not confide to lay down the framework for 20 years for among like 15 different people to do this, which is what we've enjoyed. He's like, I get to do this in three shots. So everything has to happen now. I don't want to redo anything. So we're not laying down the big framework so that we can enjoy it like we do with Captain America and Iron Man. Instead, we're doing, once again, like, this is not the mainline comic book. We've asked Todd McFarlane to come in. Todd McFarlane, you have eight issues to tell yourself the biggest DC story you can tell. Go! And that's what you're, like, reading right now. Mm. Well, to, to me, though, I, the one that, like, uh, okay, you want that story? Give me the ju- the uh, the frickin' uh, Justice League cartoon. I thought that did yeah. the best job. Because, like, I think that's what a lot of people, dis- you know, confuse dark storytelling with, like, mature adult storytelling. And, and mature mm-hmm. adult storytelling isn't necessarily, um, you know, bloods, guts, and sex. If anything, those are, mm-hmm. like, that's an immature sign of mature storytelling. Mature storytelling is usually dealing with mature, you know, uh, sort of greater themes that go beyond sort of like binary good and evil. Uh, mm. and you know, that's what the Justice League cartoon excelled at. Like that, that great moment where, uh, Batman, where like the girl's power is going out of control and Batman just kind of like sits with her on a swing mm-hmm. to give her a yeah. little bit of comfort before she dies. You yeah. know, that, that, that's like, there's so many like little moments like that that the, uh, you know, just to me, that's like the definitive sort of like, canon in terms of like how do you build something that's fantastical and fun but also that doesn't talk down to the audience and and like the like you know the sort of like nerd stuff uh, that's maybe targeted towards a younger audience but still resonates like um avatar the last airbender didn't talk down to its audience Mm mm-hmm do you feel BVS did? Um, I thought BVS was like an edgy teenager, uh, you know, with like, um, who thought that like blood guts and Superman fucking Lois Lane. Okay. You still there? Cause he cut out for me. Oh no. Oh boy. Um, okay. So that was a thing. Um, <laughs> I can hear you, Matt. Yeah. Tony, you still there? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Okay. All right. So, so and, Isaac's, and, uh, Isaac's resetting his mic. He's yeah. in there. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, he'll, he shall uh, be back. Um, but I, I mean, he was bringing up some great points. And I think that, um, especially since those Christopher Nolan Batman movies, we've mistaken grim dark with mature. Yeah. yeah. But I think we miss, we, uh, we misunderstand what Zach is doing. Like, uh, when he does these things, it's not like he's not saying that blood and guts or, Batman having sex with Lois Lane is mature. He's trying to create something new. Like he's trying to push open creativity to see things we haven't seen before. Yep. Versus like, like all the definitive Supermans and Batmans. We are, we have movies we can go back to and watch already. So that's in like, so like for him, he's like, I got three shots. Either I can redo what's been done or I can create something new to create new things in people's minds. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And maybe, um, maybe, yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, now maybe, I think this was briefly brought up, and maybe it's been talked. Yes. Yes, again. Yes. yes. Could, did, did you hear what we said? Oh, good. Cool. All right, guys, uh, we're going to stop for emergency and be right back after this break.
All right, guys, everybody stop. All right, we're back on the other side. Um, Isaac, so, yeah, uh, as I was saying, like, um, I, I see what you're saying, like, like his visuals do go all out for, like, the extreme, like, edginess of, like, a Todd McFarlane comic book. Uh, exactly. It's like a 90s comic book, and no one would ever, like, look at, like, the, you know, blood cult or, you know, any of the stuff that came out from the 90s and, like, call it mature storytelling unless you're, like, right. a 13-year-old. Right. But I would say that, I don't know, it's still its own art. Like, what I see is uh, Zach being honest. Like, he's not holding back on, like, trying to sculpt something that looks... Because, like, the thing with Marvel movies is I, uh, it's hard to tell, unless it's a James Gunn movie, that I'm looking... I'm like, like, like the, the Russo brothers. I don't see their signature. I saw a great movie, but I don't feel like I saw the Russo brothers. Versus this... I'm seeing Zack Snyder all. This is like not um, just like a a movie about these characters. This is Zack Snyder specifically, and like this is like his art unleashed, which is I don't know for me. Like I'm starting to understand like the fault of like individuals, but also like something that comes directly from a heart. That makes sense. I will give you this. It does feel like Zack Snyder gave it his all. And I also think, like, another sort of flaw of, like, BVS, oh, I do love that you're, like, defending it and, like, saying that it's got this wonderful, unique charm, is that, like, it's a film that also, like, suffers from... Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron syndrome okay. where it's not really telling like I, I think Age of Ultron you know like all Marvel movies it's not terrible it, it's still watchable and fun but it has um the problem where it's not so much interested in the story it's telling as much as it is is uh doing legwork for all the future stuff like play yeah. oh yeah it doesn't play, stand play, on play so. you can tell from the get-go that it's, it's a lead into something else so it, they don't really give it enough to, to exist on its own, under its own merit, because you know that is that is it's really just a precursor to this big event that's coming up. Or, hey, hmm? sorry, hey, real, real no, quickly, sorry. I, I would say like it's the difference between like uh, seeing like uh, there's two there's like uh, styles two there's different styles of like storytelling. Like there's like mythological, mythological, and like thematic. So like if you're looking at mythological, like you're looking at like the original Star Wars movies and Marvel, where like everything plays out like it would in like a like how it would in that world versus like, then there's some like emotional, like visual broad strokes that Zach does. And like, we, it's kind of hard. Like you're telling him to draw within the lines when that's not him. And that's what we're getting. And that's not what people wanted in general. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, it does, but, like, uh, I guess the, you know, drawing within lines is also, like, you know, we, we don't need a Justice League movie to set up. We also don't need the death of Superman uh, thrown in in your Batman versus Superman storyline. Oh, oh, also, another thing he said is, like, hey, guys, just so you know, like, yeah, this is his stuff. This is what he's doing. Someone really should make the Dark Knight movie, though. That still needs to be made. Like, he's he said, like, this what we're doing right here is not the Dark Knight. I'm not doing... The Superman, those are movies he feels that someone really should make. But what we're seeing is like, uh, hey, Todd McFarlane, you have eight episodes to set up a Justice League story from start to finish. Meanwhile, over here, you know, we still got the main line going that can take, you know, years. But you only have eight issues or Zack Snyder. We're only giving you three movies to 
do what you think is right. Right. Okay. So, um, so we're talking about you know Zack Snyder having limited time. I wouldn't necessarily say limited resources because obviously this movie had an insane budget. Yep. Um, but he made choices. He made choices. Limited vision. And, and there was a vision, no doubt about it. We got a vision here. Mm-hmm. Um, and now maybe this has been talked about ad nauseum, but part of that vision was Batman gets guns. Mm-hmm. And I'm always fine with um, the Bat wing and the Batmobile having guns. I've always been fine with that. I, I beats me why there's necessarily a difference, but it is extremely jarring to see Batman holding a gun. I agree. Um, that is a card. That is a hard rule for me. It says, it says no, except for we're in this different universe. Yeah. That's all there is, but man. Still, like, I mean, we are like, a different if universe if gonna... where wild shit has happened. Uh, Robin's dead. That has driven him over the line to become a killer, and he self medicates with alcohol and meaningless sex with women. This is a different Twilight Zone, and yeah. then also so that we, he can tell a story about how it happens to people. Where, yeah, like bad shit happens. Where uh, he starts with the funeral, ends with the funeral, but he wants people to know that, like. When you experience like death like that, you can come back. So, like, what we're seeing here is like Batman did get pushed over the line where he's just slaughtering motherfuckers, but he can come back. But the problem that I have with that is, and and this is the the biggest point of content, one of the biggest points of contention for me with with this movie, Mm -hmm. we never saw that line. Like I get that, I, I I understand exactly what what Snyder was trying to get at here. But if you're gonna if you're gonna change one of the one of the core principles of Batman, in which and this is across any any universe, any world, any mm-hmm. any multiverse, right. you have to be explicit about well, you're, where you're saying that like, line was, like what line how much actually got crossed. You're saying like how much we didn't get to see this happen to him. Like right, we I like. Need to, uh, I, I need to see. I need to have some justification on where his and where that changed for this Batman. Like I get it. Something I we 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 know Batman. We mm-hmm. know what Batman does. We know how he is. But we don't know this Batman. So if he's going to do that, we need to know why. I'd we need say, to know what happened. Like, have you? Um, let's see. Are, are, are all of us? Were all of us avid comic book fans once upon a time, or still? I mean, I read comics. I didn't read all the comics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so like the, the way I was, was going to say is like uh, to en- to engage this art, uh, you, you have to change your dial a little bit to understand what you're seeing. So, like, yeah, like in this, like we definitely did not get to see the turning point. Like, see Batman be normal Batman, and then see like how bad it was for him to see Robin die. And then just, you know, experience the emotions of, like, what turns a person from, like, you know, stringing them up with, like, rope and saying, <laughs> hang around, sucker, and then wait for the police to get him, versus, like, the guy saying, nope, I'm not saying a one-liner after I break your neck. We didn't get to see that happen. But in a comic book where you only have eight issues and limited amount of pages, like, do you do that full story when you want to tell the meat? There you go. That makes sense. Like he didn't have enough pages yeah. to tell that story, and we're not in the mainline comic book to have that room. 
Well, if you take a little bit, I guess, of a more positive bent, uh, more appreciative, it is amazing that we live in a world where Zack Snyder got nearly a billion dollars to basically mm-hmm. tell the world's most expensive Elseworld storyline. Yep. <laughs> and that's not what people wanted to go to real DC Universe. We are not there. Not happening. Because, well, uh, I, think, I think the big problem, the biggest difference is, so you got Kevin Feige, he's like, no, I want this over, like, a lifetime of stories and then you have warner brothers who doesn't have a person who knows how to think like that they're like uh uh we know how to hire talented directors and that's it well let me let me all right so i think a big part of this then is expectations you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people went into this thinking they were going to get mainline batman and superman and that's not what they got uh so i think you need to set up that expectation like that Mm -hmm. uh, last joker movie we all went into that knowing it was going to be you know Art housey, or whatever you want to call it, and yep. it was, I, you know, good movie. All the um, marketing, you're right. All the marketing leading up to this was saying, "Hey guys, Superman, Batman, this is it. We're doing this." Yeah, they didn't say Zack Snyder's exactly. Batman. Yeah, this was I don't not- think it was ever that big of a problem, like in the past, because I mean, I mean we, you, you know, we've gotten we've gotten a, a numerous versions of Batman and Superman, and it was just one of those things. Like, okay, who's going to do it now? So. Doing it now like this, like the, the it, there was a, a shift in expectations, which I think was brought on by the success of the MCU. Mm. You know what? Then I think we could probably <laughs> draw a parallel with the narrative of the movie. Here is it like when Superman first came around, things w- seemed more simple. Superman could save some yep. people, and nobody's going to complain, right? But now. Mm-hmm. Superman saves somebody, people are going to complain. There's always going to be something wrong. So now you make a movie like this that costs a billion dollars, people are going to have thoughts and feelings. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, well, it also, I think another reason why there was like such a negative reaction in the last Jedi moment, as uh, Keith uh, so eloquently <laughs> called, is that like they're never, people never really got that sort of like Marvel-esque definitive DC uh, yeah. universe. They always yeah. got it in piecemeal, and there were always like teases, like, oh my, yep. you know, Kevin Smith talks about like in the 90s, like, holy shit, Batman and Robin, they talked about Metropolis, Maybe Superman's going to exist and all this sort of like, maybe it could happen. Uh, But because, you know, you have these sort of like um, no definitive, like, you know, you've got uh, what you call it? The uh, why am I blinking? Uh, Who's the actor? Uh, Christopher Reeve Superman. You've got the Christopher Reeve Superman. Maybe he could interact with uh, Michael Keaton Batman, but it never quite happens. So then you get a new version of Batman who's in a slightly off kilter. Then it gets a little goofier, and then you have the the quasi pseudo (laughs) sequel in Superman Returns. But you never quite got that sort of like idea of an interconnected mainline. This is the definitive thing, Mm -hmm. and you. All these start uh, stop start uh, things like the Green Lantern, but it never quite uh. congealed. And I think there was this hunger that people want the basically like a live action version of the Justice League con- uh, cartoon or the um, <coughs> Bruce Tim universe, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they were hoping from hoping for from the DC EU. And <laughs> when they didn't nope. get it, when they basically got <laughs> got like a slap. <laughs> How yeah. many of you guys? Have, how many of you guys have seen that like Justice League Dark Apocalypse War cartoon? I'm working they, like, my way there. Don't, don't, don't yeah. spoil it. I'm, way, I'm working my way there. 
I, I haven't with, seen uh, it myself, and, but I love the clips online of just like how miserable and dark it is with all pretty much every major DC character getting horribly killed by like doom awesome. parademons, which it's funny. It's like, I, you know, I enjoy these kind of storylines, but you know, I like it like, oh, it's off in its own little, little thing here, but I've also got like the mainline stuff so, uh, where I know everything's kind of like uh, a little bit more normal. I think that. I think Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige might be more of a rare person than we think exists. Because, like, the, what we get with Marvel is Kevin Feige is able to think over, like, a large period of time and then also, like, set up, like, events and the right directors, like, right. to make, like, one cohesive thing versus, like, over at Warner Brothers, like, there's nobody there like that. They keep on trying to find someone that can and no one's been able to do it because, uh... I think maybe it's like how their studio and their studio philosophy is in the first place, where mm-hmm. like um, Marvel Studios is relatively new. Like right. Marvel Studios was created kind of from the ground up by people at Marvel who understand like how to create cohesive universes, versus Warner Brothers, which has been going for on forever. And their job is like a whole bunch of executives, and we gotta make that money and find the talent to do it. Come on, make it done. And that's what we they, that's what we saw. Like they saw that people liked um, the realistic Batman, which I was. So this is why I've I've been like ready for this for a long time. Like I didn't like Christopher Nolan's dry ass realistic Batman. <laughs> um, and then like oh my gosh, the best things ever happened. I'm like grim. Oh my god, it made me so mad. So then like I was like oh okay, so you guys want more of that? And they got Zack Snyder, huh? All right, well let's do this then. Because, yeah. like, I know Zack Snyder's also going to do this so hard, but then, like, I like Zack Snyder, so I'm ready for it. I knew that this is not going to be... Well, did I know that? Well, that, that, that kind of reminds me of something. Did you guys ever hear that rumor that, like, supposedly was happening when the Avengers, like, made a billion dollars for The Dark Knight Rises that supposedly there was talks that, like, they would have the scene where, like, Christian Bale Batman would be, like... um having like a uh you know he'd be like fishing after retiring from batman but then superman henry cavill superman would fly in and say we need you we, we need your i need your help and that yeah. would sort of i, I it was I, I don't think it ever crystallized and I, I don't know how real it was but it was an interesting idea in terms of like jump-starting uh connective tissue and using what you call the christopher nolan batman universe as a starting point but supposedly christopher nolan having the you know the do whatever the I'm- fuck you want card the do whatever the hell you want card uh axed it and said no my thing's separate yep i i they're like once again like artist based like i know that like if uh, i've seen it happen before where like if you're a strong artist you make you're making a form you're making a a thing that has a beginning and closing and that is your your art and no you're not trying to tack on your freaking incredible hulk from this dude i don't know onto my movie like yeah. so well, that's what we're seeing in the the DC universe but from the ground up from Marvel you got like a, a clubhouse of people saying we're all making this one thing and this guy seems to be so nice enough that everybody's following what he wants. Yep and I think that. also what um sorry to I, to break in here um I, I was I was going to say that I think what Marvel also benefited from 
was the stories that they were telling were about characters that people really didn't know that much about. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you said what like, I was going like to say. Have, <laughs> like you have Captain America. Okay, you have you have Iron Man. You have Thor. You have the Avengers weren't really they were really that, big, that big in the mainstream. The big boys back in the nineties and back in the early nineties were Spider Man, the mm-hmm. X Men. Yep. Like these, those were the household names that you got behind. And 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 you and if you look at those, you had. Like you had movies and TV shows that were doing pretty much the exact same thing as as the as the DC movies were doing. You had you had two different versions of Spider Man. You had a bunch of different versions of the X Men. That's because these are household names. But I mean, if, if they tried to do all that, like what like what they were doing with the MCU now back then, you probably get a lot of the, a lot of the same the same diatribes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like going like going from like from when Iron Man first came out, and then just going from there to the Hulk, the Captain America, again, they were relatively unknown in the mainstream. They were unknown in the mainstream, that. not relatively. Right. <laughs> like right. I, love, we, I love the I love I love telling really quickly the, the story of like the trash. Like the reason why the MCU is here is because they were garbage and no one cared about. Like uh, that uh-huh. was the comic books that no one was reading. No one was talking about. My friend Greg played Iron Man in Capcom versus Superman. It was kind of weird. And we were like, man, why are you picking Iron Man? Okay, whatever, man. But, like, yeah, because there's no groundwork, all of a sudden you have, like, people who know the property, and you get definitives like a motherfucker like we've never seen before. But over in Warner Brothers, they're, like, a bunch of money people who, are like, want to figure out the equation, and they went with, like, a very, very talented artist. But, like, Zack Snyder's not going to... He's not trying to make a a TV series like a movie. He's like, I got my chance and I'm going to take it. And he laid down his rap rhymes to blow our minds away. <laughs> um, but uh, Matt, you're saying something. Oh no, Tony said it. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, no, so no, no, sorry. no, no, that's okay. I was, no, it was really funny. I was like, Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get in. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <He's> got- <laughs> um, no, no, but that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is they had a clean slate essentially. Um, and that's much easier to work with than this big mess that everybody is already in on. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they, it's, yeah, like, yeah, you have like, that's why they knock a building down before they build a new one. You know, it's cause mm-hmm. like, it's, you can't, it's difficult to build a building around an existing building. Yes. Um, so yeah, when you don't have to worry about that and you can just build it from the ground up and you got a plan and everything, that's great. But it also just kind of feels like Marvel always has a plan with these mm-hmm. movies and they've had a plan they have phases where dc is just sort of like i don't know let's throw this at the wall and see if it stays <laughs> uh-huh. yeah it's 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 who is in charge like it, like from the ground up marvel comes from a guy who played western games star wars do you guys remember that western games star wars no yeah what? so like kevin feige's full legit geek like he's he, he uh western game star wars is like um, in the '90s, you know, we we played Dungeons Dragons. We're like, what's what else can we play? Oh my god, we can play Star Wars! And like, there's like these like rule books from Western games that don't exist anymore that laid out like the structure of how you can play a Star Wars story with your own characters. Like Kevin Feige has come out and said like he loved those games. So we are seeing MCU built from a person who gives a shit about continuity, world building, rules. So like. We're getting Star Wars. Like, well, he's doing you, Star Wars. Have you ever heard the interesting origin story of Kevin Feige and how he like kind of worked his way up? No, I, I, he, I see. I saw his name like trickle up. Like he's in 
unimportant places that all of a sudden more important places. But yeah, who is he? Where did he come from? Well, originally he like um was an intern at um what you call it for Richard Donner. He worked for Richard Donner, and then oh, from that cool. he was able to become a associate producer on the uh, original uh, X Men movie uh, because he knew all the names of the X Men characters, and that was sort of like uh, <laughs> how he got his foot in the door. And I'm missing a few steps, but uh, he eventually worked his way up to Marvel and sort of uh, kind of became like the, the force. Although, do you guys know about the internal civil war between Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter? No. No? Mm-mm. Oh, Wait, it's a really maybe. interesting story. Well, Ike Perlmutter is like this Israeli billionaire who owned like a chunk of Marvel, um, became a big part of it in the 90s, was the CEO, and he still is like a part of uh, Marvel. Uh, and him and Ike, he's new, uh, he's kind of like a conservative guy. He's a Trump supporter. Uh, and he's also... Um, got into this big fight with Kevin Feige because he was a notorious penny pincher. So he would always, like, try and, like, reduce the money and, you know, uh, like, Marvel movie events, they would only cater for Subway. Uh, he would go undercover to, like, make sure that nobody was spending too much money. And supposedly he was, like, a big pushback uh, against, like, sort of... um you know, more black superheroes taking on roles. And he was yep. the reason why it took them Yikes. so long to get um, Black Panther. And yep. they they just had this huge clash where, like, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Kevin Feige would always have to report up to Ike Perlmutter, and Ike Perlmutter would fight against his decisions. And Kevin Feige threatened to not renew his contract because he was so sick of uh, dealing with Ike Perlmutter. But then Disney restructured um, Marvel entirely. So now, basically, Kevin Feige is running the show. And that's why you kind of have this, like, weird separate but not equal Marvel Universe where uh, the Netflix shows were supposed to be connected to the MCU uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the Ghost Rider TV show uh, the Inhumans were all part of it but they were all under the Marvel television which was run by Ike Perlmutter so uh. it never got featured in the MCU proper uh, because there was this Cold War standoffish where uh, you know <laughs> Kevin Feige didn't want to have anything to do with them but, so, but now um, I, I, I ran into like the Agents of Shield people at uh, conventions, and, and and even kind of befriended one at a, at a anyway anyway the the, the thing over there, they they have a big confusion over there and like they don't know what you know apparently because uh, they, they 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 are very upset they're like yeah yeah we're supposed to be a part of the Marvel universe but suddenly we don't know why but they're not telling us anything anymore. Oof. They don't well, like yeah they're so like so we have to like that yeah, that that's why we're doing in inhum- that's why we're doing everything they are, they are, the way they are because they're like yeah we stopped getting like information no one's talking to us so we just had to make our own thing. My gosh! Yeah. Wait, hold on. They're hold pretty on. upset about that. Quick, quick question: Did you say there's a a Ghost Rider television show? Uh, not exactly. They showed up in. Uh, he did show up in Agents of Shield though. Oh. Yeah, he was supposed to get his own television show, but I think that was thrown under the bus as well as all the other, you know, formerly mm-hmm. Marvel television stuff that was under Ike Perlmutter. Because uh, Jeff Loeb was like the head of that for a long time, but now it's all dead. And now we're getting like this new wave of Marvel television where not only are you getting like the big screen actors who are going to appear on it, um, but um, you're also getting, uh, you know, characters that will filter in from the TV shows like, uh, what you call She Hulk, Miss uh, mm. Marvel, who will probably eventually be in the movies as well. So uh, yeah, it, it's, but it's, it, I'm positive what we're seeing is the problem of the studio structure. Uh, Warner yeah. Brothers is an older structure run by not a dork, but people who are like, 
I want to make this amount of money in this amount of time, and I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you if you want to say that you have a twenty year plan. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's uh, well said. Yeah, they're like saying no. Like, okay, so what made money? Oh my god, the realism, huh? All right, Zack Snyder's oh. hot. Okay, Zack Snyder, we believe in you. And he's like, I know how to do Zack Snyder movies. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you're like Zack Snyder. People yeah, like just, ah, I, I, I want to that story. It yeah. shows that even in like you know Marvel, who's knocking it out of the park largely, even they can have a corporate structure that almost like derails the entire thing. And losing Kevin Feige would probably be the dumbest business move. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that would be recorded in the annals of uh, you know entertainment uh, and media studies classes for uh, years to come. But they sort of <laughs> threw their shit, and I can only imagine the cluster, you know, uh, bunk that uh, Warner Brothers yeah. must be since you. Have these people who want that superhero money but don't necessarily understand like, <laughs> nope. yeah. why people love this stuff. But you know, yeah. they have this wunderkin, Zack Snyder, who you know, you can even argue that Zack Snyder kind of like created this sort of nerd culture uh, that we're living in now because, like, whatchamacallit, 300 was kind of mm-hmm. like this low budget movie, uh, but you know, he sh- elevated it to this huge blockbuster uh, and showed that, like, hey, there's this huge well of genre content before it really hit the mainstream in 2008 uh, that sort of like created that wellspring to the, uh, I guess, this golden era we're enjoying now. So, yeah, why wouldn't executives go with him? He sounds like the perfect moneymaker for us. Let's do this. Well, and... yeah, I mean, you're investing a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, like that... yep, you got some and... Zack Snyder. Um, yeah. Hey, so uh, how about this? Uh, uh, there's also a point of contention around Lex Luthor. Which um, <laughs> I also uh, and, uh, I I have also I feel like cracked the code on the problem with Lex Luthor and why Lex Luthor is actually well I'm not sure about the actually part I think he's really good um, really so the problem was that the the wait, problem wait, wait, that people wait, are wait. yeah 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 are you yeah. talking about the Lex Luthor from Batman mm-hmm. and Superman you think he's yes. really good yes all right go ahead because everyone <laughs> fucking hates him. He, that's no. the point of him. Like Zack Snyder's doing that on purpose. Like um, he has he's on purpose. Well, yeah, and then like uh, so, Lex Luthor always takes on the form of like the most powerful man that we hate in society at that time. So like you know, in like eighties, we had like Wall Street asshole uh, Gene Hackman, and then like uh, later we get like you know strong uh, businessman, and now in our current society, the person that has the most power that. Everyone hates Mark Zuckerberg. There you go. Which is God exactly who he was playing. <laughs> yeah, if you do, yeah, but if you don't do, but if you don't do that, then you're not really doing Alex Luthor of the present time. No, you're doing Alex Luthor of the past time. And that like, is uh, interesting. Def- that's probably the best defense I've ever heard of the Jesse Eisenberg, Mark Zuckerberg slash yep. Max Landis Lex Luthor. Yep. Um, that th- that is a really interesting interpretation, and like the Lex Luthor should also um, reflect their era. But um, I guess I came to that before Zack Snyder said it on his uh, on his uh, commentary. But yeah, th- that's the intention. Like uh, this piece of shit is supposed to be a piece of shit. Like he thinks he's so fucking smart and. Uh, he, he's, he's trying to outwit people just when they're, when he's just trying to talk to them because assholes like that exist and we don't like them. And then also those people are the most like financially powerful currently. Yeah. And he's also very, very socially inept too. Yes. Incredibly inept. Yes. Well said. Um, so Matt, your take on Lex Luthor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So when I I was last, 
No, hey, well, I mean, I, I agree with what everybody else is saying here. I think that is a great take, and it's not okay. one that I necessarily thought of. Um, and I'm I'm watching it, and obviously he's extraordinarily irritating. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jesse Eisenberg is a very good actor. I've seen him in plenty of things where he did a wonderful job, so I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, this is how he was directed. This is the point. Everything they're doing here in regard to his choices and how he's coming across was deliberate. None of mm-hmm. that was by accident. And so I'm like sitting there thinking like, why? Why did they do this? I hate this guy, but like mm-hmm. not in a fun way. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like he was almost trying to be like that Heath Ledger joker. You know, like, oh, I'm so wacky, and oh, yep. oh but I'm real deadly too. You never know what I'm going to do. Um, and But I think that your your take on it is exactly right. I think part of the reason that we have such a visceral reaction to that character is because um, we I have either seen that person on yep. TV, uh, you know, out in Silicon Valley making billions of dollars, or we know that person. Yep, yep. That, that, that Lex Luthor thinks he's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. But no, like, we're all supposed to fucking want to break his neck. Like, he's an irritating piece of shit, and that's what Justin Eisenberg is going for. And, yeah, like, if we're going to be in a real world with these superheroes, that's the the baddest boy on the block currently that we want to see taken down. Well, the thing I think that people find especially irritating about that is that, like, they're, you know, the only Lex Luthor people really have on, like, on a mainstream basis is, like, the, um, freaking, um, what's his name? Uh, Gene Hackman Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. But they've never really gotten the industrial businessman, smartest guy in the room Lex Luthor that people love in the comics. The I'm the best uh, human around. Right. Uh, you know, the all-star Superman Lex Luthor, who right. thinks that, like, uh, you know, is this ultimate humanist who hates the idea that, like, uh, superhuman, you know, metahumans uh, make us, you know, the, the syndrome. <laughs> and I think people kind of, like, <laughs> DC fans are kind of hungering for that, interp- like, a mainstream yeah. interpretation of that. I can see that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, if um, Zach's like, I got one shot, and... Either I can remake and remold exactly what everyone else has seen already, or I could real world Toy for All News Network. And also, who's the most powerful piece of shit that you want to stop in the world? It's the uh, I think I'm so cool. And also, like on top of it, like getting to have your cake and eat it too. Uh, the narrative says outright, "Hey guys, this isn't actually like Luther. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. we're looking at Alexander." Like That's this his- is like he's they say several times in the movie, there is a Lex Luthor who is missing. But this is Lex Jr. Yep. I did not catch that during the yeah. movie. Yep. It said several times like Lex is my father's name and I'm waiting for him to come back. Meanwhile, I'm Alexander and this is why like I'm also now like that's another thing maybe, like the the son of someone who is powerful. Who thinks he's powerful. Oh my god, my takeaway from that was like, oh, Lex is short for Alexander. <laughs> nope yeah I, I think i i've seen him in comic books and in some of the cartoons but like there's there's always like the asshole descendant of lex luthor who is an asshole not as in control as the real lex but yeah we're not even like zach thought ahead like we get to have we, we are in a twilight zone you're and like to alleviate the problem with this version of a lex luthor uh, it's not even like the one that you know, because that one is missing. Mm. That's all I had to say on that. 
<laughs> Some, there's like silence. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Um, Isaac. Uh, was was your uh, did we hear? I was, was going to like go individually, but I started talking. Isaac, what's your top to bottom? What are you, what's your take on Lex Luthor? Um, I think that's a really interesting defense of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think he like comes across as insufferable. Although I do have a little anecdote. Um, you know, everyone has their problematic fave. You know, whether it's Michael Jackson or um, R. Kelly, you still listen to their music or whatever, maybe watch Roman Polanski. My problematic fave is Max Landis. Uh, Mr. Max mm-hmm. Landis has largely been exiled. He's had a lot of uh, features for like sexual harassment and potentially sexual assault written about him. Uh, but he is still making YouTube content, and I fucking <laughs> love it. Uh, so what, whatever, I'm, uh, I'm watching it with my ad blocker, so you know, if you want to morality police me, you can say that. But the reason I bring it up is that he, like recently, he did like a live stream and he was talking about um his version of um well he was talking about how uh when he was uh filming he was on the set of American Ultra and he was hanging out with Jesse Eisenberg and Jesse Eisenberg had just been cast by uh for Lex Luthor so he started talking to Lex Luthor uh you know about like what makes the character so great and what you should um uh do and, and you know why uh you how you should interpret him and then you know Jesse Eisenberg was apparently uh, taking very close notes, not mm-hmm. so much on Lex, what he was saying about Lex Luthor, but on Max Landis. Himself. Oh no! Oh my <laughs> God! I can see that actually. Oh, no. Whoa! <laughs> Holy shit! Huh? So yeah, wait, that so. is very Max Landis. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Did he just miss the point, or did he just decide like, no, I'm going to do something different? So I, th- I feel like there's a fusion of it. I think you're because you said you, Zack Snyder said in the commentary that like Lex Luthor reflect the era, and that's why he's kind of like a tech bro. But he's mm-hmm. like that fused with like Max Landis is like the ultimate uh, you know smart ass. So yes. th- I feel like you've got this un and uh, you you could say that like in that way it works. I guess the problem with me is that like the logic uh, behind Lex Luthor doesn't really make much sense mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, okay so he's 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 conspiring to get Batman and Superman to fight each other he's doing all this crazy shenanigans he's having African warlords fight each other uh to create this uh, sort of event he's bombing senate hearings but like so what was the point of like doomsday i guess the idea is that he's got a contingency plan for everything but like so he's gonna create this monster who's just gonna ruin things so uh, hypothetically if his plan succeeded wouldn't doomsday just be like you'd have this unmanageable monster just destroying everything (laughs) sort of so like he like uh he's a fool um he he's he's a he's uh been he driven mad and drunk with uh power like this um, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna say it wrong, and then we'll. I'll change it later. He's driven mad by a need for power. So, like, he is the baddest motherfucker on the planet, basically, uh, with his inheritance and his in- intellect. And then he's like, "Yeah, holy shit!" And then Superman flies in, and it's it fucks with his psychology. Like, with um, Superman just being able to just be and like the superpower, and it drives him mad because like he's like. Uh, no like real power is me and what i can do and manipulation and and like my my data and my riches and and fuck this guy and and he thinks he's so fucking good i'll show him the real world i'll show him good like you know and like therefore like manipulating all these events that a boy scout like him who since he's so powerful doesn't hasn't 
needed to put thought into like real life consequences and whatnot. Uh, he's just trying to do the right thing. So uh, this Lex Luthor takes advantage of that and and gets a gigantic fucking boner over it. Like I made him bow to me because uh, I can make him do evil because I I have his mother and you're not that good. You're not above like everybody else. Everyone's got their reasons, asshole. And I got you. I am number one. Yeah, um, that that very. It's funny you mentioned the scene where Superman bows to Lex yeah. because something spe- very specific happens there, and I was kind of wondering about the logic behind it. Maybe you guys can speak to it. I noticed when he kind of like run his runs his ran his hand over Superman's head, he never touched him. Mm. And so I was wondering whether that was like he just didn't want to touch him, or maybe he was still scared to touch him, or maybe. they just didn't want to mess up his hair. <laughs> I there's so much intention like a lot of the stuff we saw was like intentional like there's symbolism they're not just spamming like extremeness so what you saw is probably I'd say like up for interpretation now yeah. like to me to me I think he's a, like this Lex Luthor is a coward like he wants to wield power he doesn't have it for real and then like you know Superman does so do you dare touch it yeah I mean, that was, besides the, you know, wardrobe telling him, don't you dare uh, <laughs> touch his head, um, I got the impression that, yes, the reason that he didn't go all the way and actually, like, run his hand through his hair was he was too scared to touch Superman. All um, right. But I, I don't know. I, it, I, that's what, that's, that is the reading that I'm going to go with because that feels right for this uh, guy who feels like he's got power, but does he really? Does he really understand it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. another speaking of Superman, I guess Superman is a very difficult character to write, and uh, I guess um, that's another thing that sort of annoyed me is that like Superman is like so dejected and, and like uh, you know he always has this sort of like you remember that montage? I mean, it's a beautifully shot montage where Superman's just like saving people, mm-hmm. and people are like worshiping him, but he looks. So so miserable the whole time. Like there's a reason. I look forward to hearing the reason. <laughs> so, um, but the like, reason, uh, yeah. The, what, 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 no, no. You, you, you complete, please. All right. Um, so, but uh, and he's a hard character to write. He's like Captain America, where he's like so basic and vanilla. But like, <laughs> uh, um, bringing up good old uh, problematic Max Landis, he wrote this comic called American Alien. I don't know if any of you have ever read it, mm. uh, and I, I freaking love it because it's basically his ultimate celebration of Superman and his idea, interpretation of Superman is that like it's seven different like individual stories about like Superman growing up at different like little pivotal moments of his life and each story is a different artist it is a different tone so there's like a um, a really hopeful like Steven Spielberg story about um, Superman as a kid learning his powers then there's like a more grim and gritty story about him like stopping some redneck crime in Smallville as a teenager mm-hmm. and then there's like a college story where he like goes on Batman's yacht and parties and pretends he's Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne is never seen there so he he has like a more fun story and then there's the story of when he first goes to the daily planet uh and the the the, what he does really well in those is he he has superman be just a guy and that the beauty about superman is that you know uh, being all powerful absolves him where it's like nobody poses a threat uh to superman so he's basically helping them fight themselves to the point where uh, you know they work through their issues Mm -hmm. and uh 
you know, it's a hard interpretation to get through that character, but it's like one that I, I really love and like the best versions of the character where he's sort of hopeful versus the kind of mopey, you know, almost objective as Superman you get in, uh, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, where he just seems like so miserable and on the edge mm-hmm. of snapping. And yep. accordingly uh, to the Justice League, um, or, you know, the Snyder Cup, which I'm going to see from what I've heard, is that, like, uh, you know, they imply that he eventually snaps and leads to the dark future. Uh, no. Uh, uh, well, what, what happens is he gets exposed to the anti life equation, which corrupts him. And then uh, Batman makes a decision where Lois dies, and therefore the equation which has changed him fundamentally and the excuse of the loss of Lois is why Superman is changed. Oh, interesting. I've never heard yeah. of the anti-life equation being used by uh, in that way, but uh, yep. okay, uh, that's a better way to sell it. And the reason <laughs> why this Superman is mopey is because, once again, like uh, we're doing a Superman who is now in the real world of 24-hour news network, and also... That the real world is uh, can be fucking gray as shit. Like so, um, there's a thing, uh, Three Body Problem. I'm bringing it up. There's this book oh. series called Three Body Problem, and they have this like concept in there called dimensional awareness, and it makes it so that like uh, uh, it makes it so why people have their different opinions. The path on life makes it so that they do and don't see things, and it's just like you know some things are just invisible to them because of the path of life. So. Superman has had the path of life of, like, supreme power. Like, he doesn't have to slow down and do volunteer work to find out what conversation takes place after a uh, a tornado. Like, you know, the, the little children or parent who's dead and, like, you know, the, the, the paramedics who have to stick around through all that grief and take care of it. Like, he doesn't know that shit. He knows the big stuff of, like, you know, he'll punch a asteroid but, like, the thing that they wanted to show us in this was, like, uh, Superman has now saved everyone. And, like, all he's doing is, like, uh, what his Krypton father said him to do. Like, you need to be the example. So, like, you save people. Therefore, the crowd around you saves people. But instead, he saves people and they worship him. And he's like, no, wait, what am I doing wrong? And he doesn't have the life experience to figure it out yet. That's what's happening there. Um, like, and then, like, in that Senate hearing where, like, uh, everyone dies, that's, like, the biggest example of, like, what this Superman now has to deal with in this world. Like, he's there, he, he's like, you know what, I'm, do the right thing, I'm Superman, and I'm, um, turn myself in, let's talk this out. I'm not thinking that, you know, I'm a gigantic fucking target. Boom! Everyone dies! And then, like, he, there's nothing to Superman, he's not that fast, and he's also not a paramedic. So, like, he goes out on those st- those back steps, and he's, like, overwhelmed with grief because he's like, D- do-, do I help them put the bodies in the bag? I, oh, my God, did I do this? Oh, shit. So, yeah, he doesn't know what to do. So he flies away. That makes sense? Yeah, it was that, that sort of Zack Snyder's, like, uh, when he was talking about the, uh, uh, it seems like, uh, the best way to watch Batman versus Superman is with, uh, yes. Snyder, uh, like, h- hanging out, because uh, it is interesting to hear why he makes some of those choices. Yep, it's beautiful, like, yeah, like, I, I, I felt it, but, like, when you see him say it, like, all the things that people think are just, like, action spam, or, like, him trying to be over the top, he actually has, like, a thematic reason to do that yeah. like in each scene. He's like he actually cares about his movie. 
I, I will say, you know, there's one thing you cannot say about Zack Snyder is that he definitely does feel like he cares intensely about oh, yeah. all the things he does. Um, so uh, you cannot fault him like that. Is the, like, uh, you know, you could compare him to like, oh, he's just like Michael Bay who does dumb yeah. action, but it, it does feel like Zack Snyder does have a purpose. Sometimes yes, he, 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 he never goes. Well, he will say like he does get excited, but there's like a genuine excitement. Like, uh, I love like the final fight between like the heroes and Doomsday, and like the way he blocked out the fight was him and his stunt people and friends. They 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 went out on a they they set up a whole bunch of mats and they fought. They they duked it out and basically played to <laughs> figure out how the fight between these kind of people would play out in the most beautiful dramatic way to shoot it and render it. Like, yeah, he he gets it. He he's actually trying, but like. He's not trying to do a repackage that we've seen, and no, like like I said, uh, apparently Kevin Feige is more like to me. All Warner Brothers has to do to win is find themselves a Kevin Feige. You have unlimited resources, just fucking hire the person. But I think that kind of creativity is not as easily to come by as I think it is, mm. especially if you I, use I, that kind of corporate, <laughs> corporate structure. I still say, like, give Bruce Tim or Paul Dini, like, screenwriting or directing duties. That's what Me Kevin too. Feige, that's the, the secret sauce that Kevin Feige did. Get these people who are, would be, you know, like, Walter Hamada or whoever the president of uh, Warner Brothers is now would never consider and let them direct it uh, just because they're passionate for the material. I, I think that too, but I think, once again, like, it's their, Different corporate structures, like there's a bunch of rich people, like fuck that, I'm not giving up my power to some nerd. And the versus <laughs> like versus the Marvel Studios, who was created and they followed the footsteps of like the business nerd who understood story and business. So mm. yeah, we're kind of like stuck, uh, and and like, and that's why they're you know they have all these like different things. So like they're trying to figure out who gets the best idea and we'll do that. Versus Kevin Feige, he's just sipping his tea, like I know what I'm doing next. Yeah, you know, um, that's, um, I. Mm -hmm. so was that something, the, the thing you brought up about how miserable Superman is uh, when yeah. everybody's worshipping him, I mean, I watched that scene, and obviously, I thought it was um, a very effective scene, and you could tell how sad he was, but I couldn't quite yeah. figure out, like, what was going on in his head. And is that I'll be honest, like, I didn't get it either, mm -hmm. the several times I've seen it, I'm like, why is he so miserable? But yeah, Just, that's why. That's he, why. He's like... Why aren't you guys all turning around to save other people? Right. Um, okay. It's because, like, in in a, in like our society that we're even noticing now, like in a like as a lot of people aren't Christian anymore, but people still find that something to worship <laughs> instead Woof. of using that thing as an example of what you should be yourself. Do you remember? That's like we want heroes, we want saviors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, and that, that's that's why the monument says what it does. Uh, if you seek my glory, look around you. It's supposed oh, to be. If you see my monument, look around you. There you go. Yeah. Effect. Yep. He's supposed to be like my example is for you, not for you guys to use me as the solver of problems. Do you guys remember in the Death of Superman graphic novel after Superman dies? Obviously, we mm -hmm. have all of the Superman pop up. You know, we got mm -hmm. Steel and Superboy, etc. But there's this one dude who just has. A Superman shirt. Yep, I remember and, that. And a little cap. He's just like this dock worker or something. He's like, well, all right, I got to go do some good. 
I got zero mm-hmm. powers, but I'm there just going to go. go try to do the right thing. And that he's who I thought. I haven't thought about that guy in years, but he's who I thought of when you mentioned that. Yep. Also, uh, yeah. Uh, on that note, I'm putting in the Discord chat a link to the one of the American Alien covers, which I think you'll find very relevant. And I highly recommend uh, if you have a chance to go track down the American Alien trade, uh, just because I think it like kind of uh, builds up to that. And a weird thing is that like Max Landis apparently planned this whole um, DC universe he was going to write until he was permanently canceled, and now he's Bummer. like turning it into a giant <laughs> YouTube video called the Good. Kryptonian Epic. Uh, where he's just going to do it as like fan fiction for his own work, but uh, there's a little feast upon that cover in terms of like Superman being this inspiration, and I guess you could say all like superheroes. The idea is that like there's supposed to be these characters where we take the morals. Like you know, Jesus is a pretty cool guy who taught some pretty cool things, uh, and uh, you oh. know if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you might be able to do some pretty good things for some other people versus uh, using them as a way to keep other people down. Ooh, yeah. Speaking nice. of Jesus, that's why they have the. Uh, that's why Batman created the lance instead of making like a technical missile that could shoot Superman. Superman is Jesus, and he's going to be the betrayer to stab Jesus with the spear. And he has to do it with his own hands, otherwise he's not doing it or taking responsibility. That's why the spear exists. Yay! Wow. And also, and, and also Symbolism. at the end, um, super uh, at the end, Lex Luthor's uh, prison outfit says TK four two one. Really? Yes, TK421. Do you copy the Star Wars reference? No, somebody explain. I um, never paid attention to that. Oh, so like Lex Luthor has a uh, his his uh, prison outfit. Uh, the number is, says TK421, and right, the right. original Star in the original Star Wars uh, when TK421. Why aren't you at your post? Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, there's a gas leak here. You know. Well, well yeah. That, that when like uh, someone's checking on Han Solo. And like when they took over to save Leia, uh, the guy says TK four two one. Why aren't you at your post? Right, like that. Um, and Superman and, and uh, Lex Luthor's prison is prison outfit is TK four two one. TK four two one. Wow. Then also, okay, um, another visual flair that like has been like was tickling on my mind, and like he takes it over into this new Justice League, which we'll talk about next time. But I was like, what am I seeing? Something so specifically eighties about the metallic. Feel and look what am i seeing and uh he telegraphs it at the beginning of the movie uh he's telling he, he loves the movie excalibur oh, you guys ever see God. that yeah that movie i saw it for yeah, the first so, time like a few months ago oh wow yeah that's yeah. part of my life and childhood uh isaac tony seen excalibur heard of it never seen it no if i have i don't think i have oh dude yeah um you're gonna want to find this one it's god damn epic uh and there's like the like so uh that was like from an era of movies that everything was a frazetta painting um so when you see it you'll see every shot looks like a frazetta painting it has like a specific kind of like texture and metallic feel and lighting that uh zach has been doing a lot and also uh spoiler alert for the end of excalibur it's it'll be fine it's not like a twist or anything it's just how uh the two, the hero puts down the bad guy at the end of Excalibur. And it was like one of the first times I cheered with other kids at the end of a movie. Like 
you know, I, I was always a nerd. I always did that. But like, you know, Excalibur, we showed it in like my grade school for some reason. And at the end <laughs> of it, the like there's like this giant fucking battle of like you know, these dudes in armor and just piles of bodies like coming up and stuff. And then there's like one last guy who's got golden armor and uh, uh, Arthur, he goes up to him like, this is, this is the ending here. And uh, the guy goes Rah! and stabs Arthur through with his lance spear, just spits him. And then Arthur's like, oh, yeah, is that all you got? And then, like, all of a sudden, like, the classroom started cheering as Arthur grabs the spear and pulls it through him to pull himself closer to the end bad guy until he stabs the end bad guy himself. And, like, they embrace in a final death thing. And that's what Doomsday and Superman did. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, Damn. do you remember, remember like, uh, Su- the Doomsday spits Superman on his, oh, like, yeah. you know, hand spear. And Superman pulls himself closer and closer, and then stabs him back. That's from the ending of Excalibur. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's so exact that it's kind of like, whoa, you fucking weeb. You fucking weeb, Zach. <laughs> you piece of shit. I can't, that you, uh, I can't believe you actually said that out loud. How dare you admit that to the crowd? Oh, my piece God. piece of shit weeb. So, yeah. I love weebs calling each other weebs. Yep. <laughs> One of my favorites. Uh, so here's some. Are we just talking about? If we're just talking about random stuff about the movie right now, uh, mm-hmm. did y'all notice that they warped the Batmobile? Warped? They warped the Batmobile. You know how? I mean, like Keith. I think you've talked about this before. How like warped Job- is like? What's that? Jobbing. Jobbing. Exactly. I, job- I didn't know warp was a was a, a verb. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, he's I, not. It's a jobber. No, I think jo- you know what. Warf I think is a we jobber. should. Can we, can oh no, I, no, no! It? I have said people gotten warped before. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. No, no, hey, no, that's fine. So basically, it's just like, oh, you got something that's proven to be very, very tough over and over and over again. And then something mm-hmm. comes along and just wrecks it. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. happened to Worf all the time in TNG. You know how tough <laughs> Worf is. And so how do we know this alien is tough? Mm-hmm. They'll beat up Worf. Yeah. Right? And one, of the, one of the red letter media guys said, like, yeah, it sucks. But wh- who else are you going to have the alien knock over Wesley? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like you know, okay. I guess, I guess the alien's not that tough. You can knock over Wesley. Like, well, so. What's 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 the big deal? <laughs> yep. There's only one person you can knock down to show that you're tough. And yep. it's Worf. and that's Worf. Um, but yeah, the the Batmobile. And by the way, I loved this Batmobile. Me too. It, it's just going ham in that scene. It has like mm-hmm. shields and like all these gadgets, and it's just going like blasting through buildings without even flinching, just destroying everything around it. And then it just hits Superman's ankle. Mm. And it's just destroyed. <laughs> in, in in um another beautiful Zack Snyder moment on his like uh commentary track, he's got like he he draws his uh, own um what do you call those like comic book panels that you make a movie off of storyboards. Yeah, he he draws his own storyboards and he's very very proud of them. And like he's like yeah yeah, and I drew this right here where like Super Batman stands up to Superman like right there, and he like points at it and stuff. Like he is so proud of that shot. <laughs> it was just it's it's really cute. Uh and um another proud shot that he was was like um when Batman has Superman at the end of that cord and he kind of swings him around and through pillars. He's like, "Well, wait, so I have a friend who made a painting of this. I had to put it in my movie." So, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah so. he is he is, he's a loving man of like he another person that he loves in the movie is the stunt suit actor for Batman. Um, it's a guy named Rich that has been in every one of his movies. And he's like, and I can't make movies without him. He's amazing. But yeah, huh. I, 
All right, so here's another thing. I'm, I'm just looking at my notes now. Mm-hmm. But y'all ever notice that Batman thugs always talk? And like, a, there's a specific way that Batman thugs talk. Like gangsters? Like, the, yeah, especially when they're scared. Oh, um, like yeah. when Batman has them up against the wall, they're like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is completely <laughs> right. Since uh, the animated series, <laughs> wow. yeah, or yeah, they, go further back. They all talk like that. They have like this faint, like New Yorker. Brooklyn accent, and they all it's go. It's the real. freaking bat. <laughs> Get him! <laughs> it's the freaking bat. They all bat. talk. They all the talk. <laughs> oh God! You're don't right. hurt me! Don't hurt me! I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, oh, speaking of, of Batman thugs, uh, were you all? Because a lot of people, the biggest praise that this movie got was that scene towards the end where Batman and Superman are on the same side. Uh, Batman goes to save Martha, and he takes out the Lex Luthor go- goons. And people loved it because it was basically like, oh, this is the Batman we deserve on screen. This is like the Arkham Asylum games brought to life, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's like smacking people down and knocking them against the wall with like blood stains as their craniums crack against the wall. Did mm-hmm. you guys uh, also enjoy that as much as uh, everyone else? I yeah, it was basically it. like a 50-hit combo in, Ar- in Arkham Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the, a 50-hit uh, perfect combo. This right? is another boyhood dream. Like, uh, Zack Snyder's like, did you ever think, like, you know, as a kid, that you'd ever get to do a Batman fight? This is it. This is my t- my chance to do a Batman fight. And, like, it's this the is straight best, up it. It's the best representation of Batman fighting in live action that we've ever gotten. And that's, that's, that's one of the biggest points of contention that I've had for every other bat, live action Batman film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Up until this, he's always been a fucking brawler, and I hated that. Cool. He's suppo- Batman is supposed to be is supposed to be this master martial artist, and he goes in like he's fighting in a barroom brawl in every <gasps> single scrap he's been in up until this movie. Well, thank the, you. The, thank the, the big, yeah. fucking thank the big, you. The big problem with, I think, like Batman, uh, you know, um, doing Batman fights is that the costume is so prohibitive. Like, yeah. you know, Michael Keaton had to turn his whole body just to turn his head. Is oh, that the, the yeah. costume is not really conducive towards fighting? And they did lampshade that in the Dark Knight, in the Dark Knight Two, where, where Lucius said the exact same thing. But I mean, if, if you know that that's a thing, you've got to find a way to work around that. Yes, I, I always like the the stiffness that it causes makes me it's how i associate batman moving even so like that limitation to me actually creates a better batman because he has to move different than other people do yeah i mean when i think of michael keaton as batman i think of him turning his whole torso to look at somebody yeah Mm -hmm. exactly like it's it's kind of iconic but um but yeah just really yeah on that fight i absolutely loved that fight that was so much fun uh, very, just very satisfying. Every punch, every oh, yeah. kick, mm-hmm. like you felt it. Great camera motion, the the, the thuds, the hits, and uh, I geeks, I, I will fangirl the fuck out, man, about that um, Martha moment. I love it. Uh, like <laughs> the 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 build up moment, like where like I said online, the the reason why it was supposed to be good is not like, oh my god, genius. They both have the same name. It's not that at all. It is. We are seeing the end result of a Batman driven to rage and thinking his only purpose now is to defeat a god. And, you know, that has now given him quickening. He's given him life purpose. And then, like, as he's about to do it, um, uh, you're letting him kill Martha is a line that says, like, oh, shit, that's like, you know, that's the last thing I heard my father say. This is me standing here consumed by my own reasons. And... 
yeah, I'm, I'm a bad guy. I, like, I go did back cross, and remember and I also why you did this. And, but like the one, one last thing I say is like I love so much that Batman saved Superman's mom. I fucking love that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, because it's, like, it's, 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 a, it's a return to form for him. It's Batman remembering why he got into this whole thing to begin with to save yes. other people, so they don't have to go through what he went through. He mm-hmm. wants to make sure that Superman doesn't have to feel the pain that he felt. He wants to save, like, yeah, it's like. Uh, after uh, the end of his road of darkness, uh, it's a reawakening, like where he's like, "Oh God, yeah, this is why I fight," and burns rubber and says, <laughs> "Martha, Martha will not die tonight." Da, 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 the music's playing. Oh my God, yeah, baby, do this. And then, like, he saves the fucking mom, and then she's, he's like, "I'm your mom's son," and she's like, "I, I can oh tell by God. the cake." I'm a I'm like I'm imagining you, you, so you much. playing with action figures right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! I get tears in my eyes at that shit. Like you know, like, I'm a friend of your sons. Oh, um, so, okay, okay. I mean, and I and I agree with you all in regard to yeah. It was like it was a return to like his core, like why he became a hero in the first place, and it felt yep. great when, in that scene when that all happened. But did Superman know? Is that why he said, "You're letting Martha die. We have to save Martha." Did he know that that name would specifically strike a chord with Batman? I think uh, I don't see why he wouldn't. Superman has been reduced to a man in agony and pain at the end of his life. Uh, he doesn't want any kind of mistake. Uh, her name's Martha. Please, like this is all what I'm doing this for. Save Martha, not Uh-oh. save my save my mother. Uh, if you need her name, let me tell you that later. It is foot on throat, about to die. All I'm doing is for is to save Martha. Okay, okay, that's a good explanation. Because in like, the I'm- same vein, there's always there's also people that that think that, and I don't I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but this whole thing could have just been avoided. This whole conflict, this whole fight, could have just been nipped right in the bud if Superman would have just fucking said this from the beginning before they started scrapping. He tried. He tried. <laughs> he keeps trying. But Batman keeps on like I, I got, I got the sound wave. Or no, fuck you, man! I want to hear anything. Yeah, the, but, and that's and that's why Batman doesn't get killed. Like Superman keeps trying to say, "Dude, stop!" I got almost every stop. bat. Almost mm-hmm. all, almost I believe every time like Batman and Superman fight, like Superman's not going all out. Um, mm-hmm. Because if he did. I mean, it wouldn't be a very long fight. Um, and he told him that he, he told him this from the beginning. Like, okay, you're if if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But like, he he's always holding back a little bit. Um. And uh, Tony, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Because I, but I still think that like, um, Superman had the option to just sort of like hold. I felt like he should have had the option to just hold Batman at arm's length and be like, listen, here's what's yes. going on, bud. Yeah. Just incapacitate yep, him real quick. We we are not doing literal. We're doing the broad emotional strokes of a Zack Snyder <laughs> yeah, visual and, painting. And it's a movie, and they like, have stop to fight. logicking this shit, right? <laughs> stop <laughs> logicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not here. Not gonna happen with this eight issue miniseries. We only have one page to make this happen, guys. Let's yeah, like this. somebody's pointing at the title of the movie. Look, look, it says Batman versus Superman. They have to. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cool scene where like uh ben affleck like i i think he might be the best batman i've ever seen still not in the best batman movies though but uh-huh. like uh in the beginning where he jumps out of the ele- uh out of the helicopter and runs to the rescue he was told specifically not to do that 
and but he's but he's so into he's like but my city's falling i gotta go save it is why he Aww. just got so into the role where he put himself in danger and and people were very upset that he did it. <laughs> Poor Ben Affleck. He worked so hard on that Batman, so, but he, he yeah. never got yes, like a he good. Did. He never got a good. You know, people hated him initially, and then uh, what you call the, the movies were you know uh, not received well. So he got. But you know, I, I still think in every one of those uh, you know billion dollar alternative universe, uh, you know Ben Affleck never did not feel like he was phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. It is sad because, I, I, and you know, I think about that. I think about like somebody like the directors, the, all the thousands of people that worked on this movie and they spent like a billion dollars yeah. on it. And like people that made it, they, I'm sure they put this out and they're like, look at this epic thing that we made. Yep. And then it comes out and it gets torn apart. Like, do we forget that these are people who were trying their best, all these pieces, you know? Like, I have experienced this kind of twice before and it's kind of it's it's interesting like uh there's a show called common writer dragon knight um yes so, did you watch that yes okay so here here check this out check this out like so i'm gonna try to say this really quickly so uh you got power rangers power rangers is made from a show called super sentai and then like uh there's a sister show to it called common writer and like uh in america we had it called mass rider for a little while and then they ran out of footage and they stopped but then there was a company that was like, hey, like, let's, there's more footage. Let's freaking make another Kamen Rider show. So they did. And, man, they put all of them put their freaking lives into that thing. They worked hard, and it was beautiful. They were trying to create something different. And, yeah, name drop. I, I became friends with, like, the showrunner, Steve Wang. I went to his house, and he was like, check this out. And, like, we were watching it. And he, it like, he was in love, and I could see why. And it hits the airs, and it got canceled. Like, and like fans made fun of it too. And oh, it was it just, it got universally. Yep. It was really, and like people coming around to it now, but like, yeah, uh. I, I watched it. These people put everything into it. And then the other one, one example was, uh, at, at San Diego Comic Con, I sat down to watch the new Thundercats for the first time. Uh, uh the, they, they showed the pilot episode and it was a religious experience. Um, not even joking. I Wait, sat next did, to you. W- was that the Thundercats Roar or was that the, uh, the no, anime no, one? No, 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 the, the remake. Yep. The, 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 the first the remake. remake. And it was, that remake was glorious. Holy yeah, well, like, I love it. In that hall, it. in that hall, I gotta tell you guys, like, how the feeling in that hall was, like, everyone was, like, seeing, like, Jesus has come back. And, like, like oh my god. Like, there's, like, a son and, 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 uh, father, uh, pairing next to me. Well, you know, the father grew up with Thundercats. The son was getting into it. And like we all watching, like every time a new character would pop on the screen, like the, the crowd would go wild and Thundercats and oh my god! And like when we walked out of that, we we're like, Jesus Christ, the world just changed. And how quickly did that show get canceled? Yeah, I was always surprised that that show never got a fandom, uh, just because it seemed like it was a really good interpretation. And I know, like, it for as many great. people who bitched, who, mm-hmm. for as many people who bitched about Thundercats Roar, like, well, why didn't you give that one the support when it when it was out? <laughs> it was criminal how much know. that one got got no support and got no love it, because it deserved yep. it. It really did. Yeah, yeah. These people, they go in, they put their heart into it, and then everybody says it sucks. Yeah, and I think that, like, I mean. Obviously, you you have your everybody has their opinion um, for these things that get put up all this media. But I think it's always important to keep in mind that the people doing this generally. I mean, I'm not talking about just like the people just throwing money at it or whatever. But the the 
parts, the people, they're giving everything they have to make it something mm-hmm. good. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And so, but I and, think it's just important to remember these are people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, uh, the company themselves need to freaking handle expectations somewhat. Cause like, yeah, everyone, all, all of marketing really did say like, ah, oh, guys, now we got Superman and Batman. Like, but they weren't, they were not doing Superman, Batman. Yes. Like everyone's asking. They were never doing that. They were doing Zack Snyder's weirdness, which if they had maybe tried to market that in a fun way so everybody could get in on it, cool. But like, and then like, yeah, this will go back to The Last Jedi. Unfortunately for me, like, that was what they said is the definitive. And unfortunately for me, that's the only fucking time you get to see Mark Hamill do that again. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like, right, like, 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 okay. like, so like, I, like, like, there are so many people that are upset about this because they're like, oh my God, I can't believe what you did to Superman. Like, you know, you only get to see Superman once in a lifetime. And then we get this. And that's why people are upset. And I understand that. But like, yeah, you have a lot of Supermans to choose from. You will once again. Someone's going to make another. It always happens. But you you don't necessarily get another Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Yep. That was our last exactly. chance. And that was yeah. very. Okay. All right. There's moments where you can be mean. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, you, you can uh, hold them responsible for what they did, but I have never taken like a direct shot at saying that Ryan Johnson's a piece of shit. Like, uh, I have followed his career since his start, and I am curious as to why The Last Jedi ended up like how it did. But that is for a podcast for another time. Well, yeah. someday, like, someone's going to write the definitive history of, like, the Disney Star Wars books. Like, yes. uh, you know, after, like, the dust is settled, the Kathleen Kennedy saga will be laid bare. And that is going to be some really interesting bo- reading. Like, there's this yeah, book I want to read called Disney And the entire thing is going to be written in fucking crayon. well no there's this interesting book called disney wars which basically talks about like disney in the 90s and it talks about like bob not bob Iger, the one michael was the one before bob Iger that everyone hated eisner yeah yeah michael eisner it was about michael eisner and his feud with jeffrey katzenberg and basically all the corporate shenanigans that happened during like the disney animated renaissance and uh that's like some summer reading i'm I'm looking forward to digging my teeth into yeah Um, i look forward to when like it's legal to tell the story of what happened with disney star wars because that like i got so much to talk about like with the the story creation and movie creation and It'll yeah, happen. I got words. And and also, I, I have been waiting all this time that, like, what if I watch The Last Jedi and I like it? Like, I'm, 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 I'm saying, like, I'm always leaving myself open to having my mind changed, given more information. But given more information, nothing's changed about The Last Jedi, except for, I think it was bad on purpose. Whoa. And it created a lot of good. Hmm. If The Last Jedi was not as bad as it was, I would not be a three-body problem Stargate fan. <laughs> it was all for you, bud. That's a good point. Eh, I mean, like a lot of good comes from destruction, is what I saw. And yeah, yeah to tip my hand, like, uh, uh, and we'll talk about it when we do the last Jedi podcast. But like, uh, I think that what, what we saw there was Ryan Johnson got hired. There's no way he's going to say no. And he's also like, I'm also not Isaac fucking Asimov. I don't know how to do space opera, but I can make an emotional impact. And that's what I'm going to do to Star Wars fandom. And as a result of that impact, I've never seen more people care about Luke Skywalker. Uh, as a result of that impact of like a, a void of creation and creativity, all of a sudden, all these YouTube channels exploded. And I've never seen more lore channels about Star Wars. 
as a result of how tor- terrible it was and how wrong they got it, I've never seen more people care more about everything that's great about Star Wars. Hmm. Well, so, just out of curiosity, were you happy with uh, The Mandalorian? With, uh, hell you know, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I had a feeling you probably loved that last episode. Yes, God bless. Um, that was, okay, that was so great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually I saw that in a room full of people who had already seen it, and mm-hmm. they were they were actually watching me um, when the like the the single X wing showed up because you know that's why that's why people watch reaction videos. You know, they want to see yeah. how are you gonna like how somebody who's been like watching these movies their entire life going to react when like their Luke Skywalker shows up again. Made from the business angle of someone who actually grew up with and understands the property versus Kathleen Kennedy, who grew up with it, knowing it as a business angle. Well, her, her, her boss's her boss's thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, because uh, I was wondering, like, okay, because uh, <laughs> we're getting off topic, but uh, I just wanted, yeah. yeah, I do. Know, I want to say, like, there's so about much Stargate. <laughs> we will. Oh, we no, will. Not but yeah, like the big, the the, the big problem. Like when you think about like how things go wrong, think about like the creative direction it came from and who that person was. Like to me, I was like, oh, when when uh, George Lucas was kicked out and Kathleen Kennedy took over, I was like, yeah, woo! I don't no. need you, George Lucas. You suck. I can't believe what you did with the prequels, Kathleen Kennedy. I've seen your name on everything I love. So aha. Uh-huh. This is going to be, oh, my God, what did she do? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's the worst thing. It's fun. And then, like, yeah, a buddy of mine was, like, who knows the industry. is like, yeah, Keith, she's good at the job of allowing crazy people like George Lucas to do what they want to do. But she's not George Lucas. She's not <laughs> yeah. a science fiction fan. She made it so science fiction people didn't have to worry about the money. Yeah. Hey, I have some, I ha- I have some things on my list here about the movie that we're talking about. Please. Um, yeah, and so like just kind of goofy stuff, I guess. But uh, all right, so there's one part where Diana, as she's leaving, to say goodbye, says Mr. Wayne, right? Mm-hmm. He says, Mr. Wayne, and leaves. Have you ever done that in real life? Do you know anybody that's done that? Just says somebody's name as a goodbye. No, but I really wish I could. Right? That is <laughs> yeah. such, a, it's such a movie trope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wayne? And like, yeah, yeah like, or also the other movie trope was like how people just hang up phones without saying goodbye. <laughs> like, yeah, does that? That's a that's a big one. But um, um uh, yeah, but re- regarding, uh, oh, go ahead. Re- sorry, sorry, sorry. As I was gonna say, regarding Wonder Woman, I I I I, I love hate her theme song. Mm. Uh, when that music plays, I hear Xena's. Uh, am I wrong? Am I only that along that? It doesn't make me think of Xena's, but I don't remember. Xena's theme that well? I I also I'm going to admit that I'm not sure if I remember it well, but like every time I hear it, I feel like I'm hearing a lesser version of Xena's theme. And Wonder well, Woman came before Xena. Yeah. What? She had her main theme, and then she had like one or two battle themes. Xena did. <laughs> yeah. There's there's something to Xena about Wonder Woman, and I, I get how it's 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 almost unavoidable because like Xena was modeled after Wonder Woman. And then, like, she's a huge cultural, like, impact. Therefore, I guess we have to. But I, I, I don't like... Wonder Woman should, is, is a big deal on her own. So yeah. I, I feel like I want to see, like, everything I've seen about Wonder Woman on screen should just not be a homage to somebody else. Like, how Star Trek doesn't need to be Mass Effect. Hmm. 
if that makes sense yeah um speaking of wonder woman i think in that near that that in that final battle when she shows up and her theme starts going um that's a great moment and i love moments mm-hmm. like that where you just know on opening day everybody in the theater cheered <laughs> yeah! uh, <laughs> i love i love i love how her action is shot like the uh the dive lunges and the camera zooms behind oh, her while great. she comes. Love that was those. one of the best parts of the entire fight, where she just mm-hmm. straight up jumps right into Doomsday and just goes. Aah! Yeah, and, like, and the camera zoom stays with it. right on her ass and oh. zooms in. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I I did not see her booty. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, oh, hey, no, no, no. Wonder Woman, sexy time. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're saying that it, it just stays on Diana as opposed to. Oh, okay. I get there you. with her, and you and you basically right. just, you just you just zoom in into <laughs> not literal right there with her. Yes, right. Very uh, effective. I felt I I, I I replayed that several times. I I love feeling like I'm pulled with her with uh-huh. that camera. That's what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. Not yeah. Just, that that those was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it was fantastic. Very, very effective. And yeah, it, yeah, you can feel the power of Wonder Woman. Thank you for the clarification, Matt. Well, um, hey, you know, it's just I, yeah. I just want to make sure that we all knew what Tony was trying to say. Because <laughs> I was gonna be like, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't watching for that. But I mean, like, you know, she is pretty sexy, so that's cool too. I mean, no. Uh, oh yeah, there's that. That means there course. is that. Have you guys know about the BDSM origin of Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. There's I a movie for- about it. I always forget about that. Well, like, speaking the of... the movie... You know, yeah. Just out of curiosity, that- did anyone here, like, uh, see... What did, what, what, just, I mean, this is a whole other topic, so I won't get into it too much, but what was the general consensus of all you guys for Wonder Woman 86? Oh, I didn't <sighs> see it. I, 84? I or 84, that's what I meant. I hated it so much. Um, the less I say I, about that, the better. Okay. I, I want it. Okay, I, I am, I am, a, I am a DC mark. All right, I, I will oh, take it. I'm, I, 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 put, I make excuses for them a lot. I will allow a lot. I like the first Wonder Woman movie. I thought Patty Jenkins has solid directorial flair and, and vision, and I felt like I went and got McDonald's. What was trash. What did what did they tell her to do? Because exactly. this, this this was not her at all. Thank you. Like, wait, 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 where was Patty Jenkins in this? Why does it look like this? What's happening? What's her operating number? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think you, the, the whole script should have been torched. Whatever. I don't know whose idea. Supposedly, she wrote it. We don't know the behind the scenes story, but whenever when the, someone had the idea of like, and then he wishes to turn himself into a wishing stone. That that's the point where it should have been set fire, and you should have started from fresh. Yeah, that yeah. was that was stupid on a bad level. Where I, I feel like they didn't intend it, and they weren't in control of it, and were having fun with it. Uh, I will I'll admit, like, there's, like, there's, like, because I, I, I'm in love with uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, like, pal- paladin heroes. Like, if a paladin hero stands boldly and beautifully and does something majestically, it, it can bring tears to my eyes. So, like, when I saw her, like, learn to fly and, like, swing on clouds, like, that really did get me. And I felt the emotions of, like, when she was, like, saying, I give up my wish. And I was like, there, there are moments, visual moments that gave me uh, a lot of emotion. But when I step back and look at that story, I just don't know what the fuck happened. It feels like they walked back so much of her development from the from the, from the first movie, and I have no idea why. I think that's what that's what got me the most. They, they, it, it felt like she had so much more potential to do so much more growing in a different direction, and they just did nothing with it. 
I feel like, like they, some... they, 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 re, they recycled the same story, especially where Steve was concerned. I feel like they showed up. It, it looked like everyone showed up to work and had a great time. That's what I saw on screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is that, like, it feel, felt like such an easy layup. Everyone loves, um, you know, everyone loved uh, Wonder Woman, the first one. I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, all you need to do, and oh, great, she's going to go in different time periods. That's fun. She can have, like, yep. James Bond adventures, and she's hiding yeah. in secret, dealing with world stuff. That's great. Throw in, like, a third string villain. You got yourself an easy blockbuster. Yep. But it seemed like every creative choice was to go against, like, going for the easy win. <laughs> yeah. And the, the whole thing with the, with the whole... Eight, the, the 84, the setting, the, just the, the setting of, of, of 1984, it seemed like it was just a placeholder, like, a, just a, mm. a centerpiece that only existed and mattered for the first maybe 10 minutes of the movie. And mm. they always went with the most egregious off off-kilter examples to show you and tell you <laughs> what time period we're, we're in, what year this is. Yeah. And I, no, I haven't seen it, but like, basically, like, I heard that they didn't, they didn't even use any 80s music. No! It's oh my God. Well, sparingly. I didn't notice that. That's um, crazy so to me. What I th- I, I've been trying, I've been like on a quest ever since Star Wars 8 shit. I was, I've been on a quest to find the, the source <laughs> of creativity. Like, okay, you're, you, you guys are rich. You guys have Oh, jillion dollars. I should be seeing only the best ever movie ever from you people. Like, if you need someone to write you a good story, you have money. Like, you can you could pay, like, a fan fiction writer $40,000 for the best Star Wars trilogy ever. What's going on? And what I'm noticing is, like, if you're sometimes... Ah, oh, shit. Okay, here's the answer is, like, uh, there's, there's no answer. <laughs> there's, yep. like, all these, like, happy accidents that happen... Where like all the right people show up at the right time, and sometimes they fuck up into brilliance, or sometimes they don't have that. And like I think for Wonder Woman, what we saw was like a short turnaround time of people who didn't have enough time or care to sit down and make like a real mythology. They're like, you have this much time to make a 1984 movie. Go 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 go. Yeah. Uh, and money. That's what we saw. Money doesn't fix everything. You know, just because they have all the money in the world doesn't mean they're necessarily going to make something good. There are Mm -hmm. countless moving parts whenever you're creating something like this and people with a lot of sway saying, I want it this way. And so it's really, really difficult to, you know, especially like some, even when you have all this money and maybe especially when you have this much money to make something that's just good. Yeah, versus Zack Snyder, he's like, you know what? I know how to do my movie, so this is what's about to happen. Versus uh, Ryan Johnson, on the other hand, uh, he like there's interviews with him saying like, I don't write scripts in two years. That's not how I do shit. Oh crap! And he had only two years to make, you know, one of the most important movies ever. So, uh, what I what I the, the metaphor that I see it as is like, um, do, do you guys ever watch this anime called uh, Hajime no Ippo? Yes. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. You know, it's the famous boxing anime. Yeah, oh, so he has, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has this special move called the Dempsey Roll, where he swings back and forth, swings back and forth, and he just starts hauling off and swinging, and builds a momentum, uh, momentum and he, just, he destroys his opponents like this. And, like, one of his best friends sees, like, the weakness in that. So his best friend, like, uh, does some quick training and says, hey, do that move on me again. I'm going to show you something. And he's like, alright, buddy, because I'm about to fuck you up pretty bad. It's going to hurt. He's like, all right, no, no, I got this. Watch, and then like he starts building up momentum, and like to me, 
Star Wars was like a sure thing for all like Star Wars fans. Building a momentum. Here comes Luke Skywalker. And then um, instead of getting what you want, like Ippo has like, you know, the freight train speed and his friend figures out how to dodge and punch while he's swinging that hard and just, you know, quadruples the damage and Ippo goes fucking down hard. All Star Wars fandom went down hard. And because you get hit that hard, you better figure out shit. And that's what I saw happen. Like I got fucking put in the dirt by that movie. (laughs) And as a result, I have now connected with Chinese geek culture. (laughs) Man, three three body problem is legit. No doubt about Mm, it. Yes. Oh my goodness. As a result of that, I have now there's stargate in my life and a potential podcast. And anyway, I got ideas, but yeah, like if he if he knew he wasn't going to be able to lay down like George Lucas can, like John Favreau, he's not a science. Well, I'll say he's not a space opera writer because I was like, he did Looper, he can do science fiction, but I feel like if he had one important shot, it's to hurt everybody really hard to create more. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, after the fuck up The Last Jedi, no one's gonna fuck up that hard again. Well... So some would argue that, that Sky, Rise of Skywalker uh, <laughs> <laughs> is in uh-huh. its own special way an even worse movie. I would uh-huh. say, like, Rise of Skywalker is trash and it knows it. <laughs> like, it was not faking the funk on a nasty dunk. Like, Last Jedi was, <laughs> Last Jedi was like, we're check out my dunk! Oh my god! And then, like, you know, like, the critics were like, oh my god, it was such a great movie! Um, but the Rise of Skywalker was like, oh, Palpatine's back and she's his son. And it was just stupid up and down to the point where, like, they knew what they did. So I, I appreciate They, they straight up worked it into the script. They just had Poe straight up say, somehow he came back. Yep. They knew they and made that's trash. It. Yep. They <laughs> leaned into it. Like, there's this fun yeah. video of, like, all the actors in, in J.J. Abrams. Uh, on camera and like the person interviewing them i don't know if they're expecting to get this reaction but they're like hey everybody show on your face your feelings of the ending of this movie but don't say a word and like all the actors and jj abrams were all like wincing and like <laughs> and like making all these like disgusted faces and confused faces because they knew they made trash the last jedi tried to act like that was a masterpiece oh that's the difference uh. all right so let's uh, wind down because that was freaking awesome and fun, and I've had last. Oh no, no! Before we wind down, are there any other points that we want to hit? Yes, um, one of the biggest points of contention that I had with BVS, and something that I've I've been struggling with ever since I first saw it, is the introduction of Doomsday into the movie, which almost killed every bit of momentum that i that i had for it when Mm -hmm. i when i first saw that because the second they introduced him i knew superman had to die Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. problem with that is the whole thing felt like a huge fucking waste for one of the biggest moments in superman's entire existence gotcha uh i I, like this is fucking superman you don't kill him after two movies without a good without a good reason and the way they were, and the way they were doing this, the way Snyder was do, was doing this Superman, it it felt like whatever whatever direction 
whatever whatever momentum that he, he was trying to build with with this with this version of him mm-hmm. was completely put in the fucking dust. Mm-hmm. Especially since you went into this knowing that there was going to be a Justice League movie afterwards, which means he has to come back. Or uh, yeah, or or this is the this is what he's going for. Um, so when you, he's like, yeah. In, in Greek legends, uh, if you see gods mix uh, mix with uh, mortals, uh, you get you gotta have some fucking gigantic collateral damage. You don't you know walk away consequence free. So he's got an eight issue series. He's got a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. and this is the middle chapter. And you do need to have a gigantic sacrifice. There's the only way that the like only one way this equation ends. It's with the death of the Superman in this kind of a movie, but like, yeah. Once again, if everyone wanted the real version, this isn't it. And, or you just uh, put Lex Luthor in a robot, and then they team up to fight the robot, and you save Doomsday for another day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I like that idea a lot. Oh my I think god, that I love that idea. Been- better yeah like yeah exactly i think um that, and that's what i mean they they, they, they could have they they had a they had a ton of other directions that they could that they could have taken with this and it and it still would have made somewhat somewhat sense yeah. but this is doomsday you put yeah. doomsday into this movie and people who know the know the story they know what's going to happen yep. or or like if we're if we're doing this like and you only have three movies uh <laughs> You like you are gonna say like uh, all right you have I have like three movies to make or four, four or five whatever you have a limited amount of time uh, are you going to like and this is the moment where texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages message data rates may apply reply stop opt out the pandemic has been hard on all our kids new studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help that's right millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level here's the good news your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with hooked on phonics even if your child has been struggling hooked on phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed and right now you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 